Oh, right. So let me have my questions ready to go. I have some, I have some cat allergies, unfortunately. Huh. I have a cat. I, my grandmother, I grew up with my grandmother and she, she had, she has started to get dementia about two years ago. So mm -hmm. we had two childhood cats. One of them died. One of them is still alive. And when she got dementia, she couldn't take care of her anymore. So I had two options. I either take her or she goes to a shelter and they put her down. So I, I took, I took the old lady. And, uh, so I, sometimes I suffer. Yeah, you're suffering through it. Well, it's okay. It is what it is, man. You're it's a good, good boy. <laughs> we do what we got to do, man. You know? Okay. Hold on. Something just popped up. Welcome to another episode of Soothing Semantics. I'm your host, Rafi Pinsky. Make sure to subscribe, like, share, leave your comments, good or bad. We welcome them all. And today, ladies and gents, we have a guest that I've been following up with for about 11 months now. <laughs> a, uh, a man I've followed for quite a while now. I have gotten enormous amount of insight from Rolo Tomasi. Thank you for coming. Thanks. Thanks for having me, man. I'm it is sorry we have to do this remote. I would would like to be there, but uh, this has been kind of a, it's only f like the first week of February and I'm like running around like playing whack-a-mole with all this shit. <laughs> <laughs> so let me give you, a, let me give a little introduction for whoever doesn't know. I'm sure a lot of, a lot of my buddies in my inner circle do, do know who you are and are big fans of yours. <clears throat> Rolo Tomasi has been in the space, the dating space, or what we coin as the red pill space for 20 plus years now. Okay. 20, for, well, technically 21. 21. Okay. Now it's 21. Okay. So uh ex ex rocks well not ex rock star, still a rock star, still still a pimp, still doing his thing. Bush league, Bush League uh, rock star. <laughs> <laughs> so he has five best-selling books called the uh, the rational mail they're they're uh, they're a series of books i implore all of you to read them whether you are male female pigeon or cheetah definitely check them out and uh you have your own channel called the rational mail on the rational mail on youtube mm -hmm. and you also do a podcast with michael sartain who i had on my podcast called access vegas they have beautiful women on they talk about male and female dynamics the red pill feminism the whole nine yards so there's more to discuss. I can introduce you for another five minutes. But uh, again, thank you for coming. And the first thing I want to go into is the red pill being a science based on facts and data as opposed to being something subjective. So you were on Dr. Phil recently. I love the episode. And Dr. Phil was kind of challenging you. People say recently, they don't understand that that show was shot November 15th. <laughs> <laughs> like uh, they think i just did it live just like two weeks ago like no no that was that's been in the can for like almost two and a half months man ah uh, really that's how it is yeah but that's they shoot in advance they have to they have to shoot in advance okay i got you hold on one second no no it's okay um no, my, my buddy my buddy's just eating something so i'm, I'm gonna bring to... you some coffee huh no I, actually I got, I, got some, I got some i got some right here <laughs> okay so you went on dr phil absolutely kicked ass i i just i love how prepared you are i mean there's no one better to do this than you and they were trying to make it or dr phil was trying to make it as if what you're saying is some sort of opinion you know and there are aspects 
of the discussion where there may be some opinions involved. For the most part, you're a very data-oriented, fact-driven person. And so kind of go into that a bit because it seems to be that uh, people um, don't seem to grasp that. Okay. One of the, one of my, I guess, pet peeves, I guess, one of the things that really kind of works me up is that people fundamentally don't know what the red pill is because it has, they've just come into like this realization of the, the intersexual dynamics, the, the manus, what manosphere, whatever cutesy name we're giving it right now. Um, and they don't understand like the principles and what, how do we come to like the opinions? How do we come to the data that we do? And right around, I think, 2013, 2014, one of my followers on my, uh, on my blog uh, mentioned that the red pill is really a praxeology. It is not a set of beliefs. It's not a, it's not a philosophy. It is not an ideology. It is not a religion. It is not belief driven. It is factual driven. It is empirical. It is objective. Ideally, it is objective. And it is science, it's a loose science, let's just say. And the it's not good and it's not bad. It just is what it is. It's just data. How you interpret that data, that's when you get into prescriptions and that's when you get into ideologies and that's when you get into politics and that's when you get into religion and that's when you make it into a belief set. How do you interpret this data? And that's been sort of a constant struggle, I think, as far as the manosphere is concerned, because people want to take this data and then they want to turn it into uh, a commodity. They want to turn it into a brand. They want to turn it into some. So, you know, you've got all these factionalizations in what we call the man. We weren't even calling it the manosphere when I got into all this. Um, so what I look at it, when people ask me, Rolla, what's the red pill? Give me the elevator pitch. Tell me what the red pill is in one minute, go. It's like, this is like fucking Shark Tank or something like that. And it's like, no, that's not what the, it's a college class. It's not a, it's not a, a sound bite. So, because there's so many, so many aspects to intersexual dynamics, there's the evolutionary psychology side for sure. Um, but that's one aspect. And I think a lot of people kind of like fixate on the evolutionary psychology side of things right now, which they should, because it's, that's the fundamental basis of, of the red pill, as far as understanding women's nature and men's nature and the confluence between the two of them. Definitely evolutionary psychology is the linchpin and the basis of it. However, you have to also remember that back in the day, back in like say the pickup artist days, the red pill was about getting your dick wet. That's what it was about. It was about how do I do what I need to do to get laid? That's what it was. From 2000 until about 2007 or 2008, somewhere in there, the seduction communities of the early forum days, there wasn't, remember, there's no social media. There's no YouTube. There's no, um, I mean, you could make a DVD maybe, but there's no classes. There's no teachable. There's, it hasn't been like industrialized to the point it is right now. It was just a bunch of guys on forums who got together, shared notes and said, this is what's going on in my country. This is what's going on in the clubs. This is what's going on with the girls I'm, I'm, I'm dealing with right now. And that's about the time that I got into it. Now, I was married back then. I've never been a pickup artist, but I've been fascinated from a psychological like um, observation. I feel like I, I joke around and say I'm like Diane Fossey or, or, or you know, Jane Goodall, like gorillas in the mist. I was like, I, all I do is like I watch and I, you know, what are the humans doing, you know? And so my background, I've got two degrees. I've got one in, uh, I have a bachelor of fine art and I have a bachelor of science in behavioral psychology. 
So it was about that time. And the reason why I double majored, by the way, is because I wanted to understand um, the clients that I was working with at the time. But I also happened to be working for casinos. I was working for the alcohol, lip and wine, spirits industries. So mm-hmm. I was out in the field. I was actually out there all the time. That was, that was my job was to go out there and to, to uh, you do brand management. I was a primary creative for several big names of liquor. And so I was always doing, I was always in the clubs and I always had to sort of be a chameleon because if I went to a club that was like sort of a country bar and they're line dancing, that's one social, you know, area. And then if I go to a goth bar or I go to like, you know, it might be a martini fest on, you know, uh, <laughs> Church Street in Orlando, right? Um, and I have to, I also have to source girls to be my poor girls and guys too. I got to have good looking girls and good looking guys who are going to pour drinks for people. So there's that social aspect that was only one part of my job, but that was very educational in that I'm out there, I'm sober, I'm watching all this stuff go on. And I'm taking mental notes. And so what I would do is I would take those observations back to the SoSwab forums and we would talk about them. Of why do you think this happened? And why, why is this working? And why is this not working? And then that built up into the, the pickup artist scene built up into what we now call the manosphere, really the red pill or game. Um, game to me today is really social skills. It's not necessarily like, okay, we're going to run this script. These pickup lines will work. Like that's not game anymore. And if anybody thinks that it is, you're gravely mistaken now. Um, But the, the science of it developed over the course of probably 10 or 20 years. And I always peg myself as being in this since like about 2004 and so 2004 was my earliest post. I actually joined SoSwap in 2002. So technically I've been in the manosphere, whatever we're calling it for about 21 years. And in that time, it's just, I've written five books. I wrote those books because of demand. I wrote the first one because I had people saying, you know, you've got a blog. I started the blog in 2011, but they said, you got a blog and people would take you more seriously if you put all this shit into a book, right? Because you're just some whack job on the internet who's got, you know, who's got an opinion on a blog. And I'm like, okay, fine, I'll codify it in a in a book. Did that, came out with a you know Kindle book. Then I had to do an Audible, and then everybody it took off and it snowballed, and everybody wanted specifics about things. And so I got my the rest of my other four that came after it are like they're like specific oriented, but they're still in the red pill space. The red pill has to be a praxeology it has to be a science it has to be devoid it has to be amoral a religious a political a racial it has to be just about intersexual dynamics now can you divorce yourself from all that entirely no that's why i say it's not just about evolutionary psychology it's also about sociology it's about anthropology it's about neuro neural I, I have to go and like source brain studies for some of this shit so i can like uh, you know i can prove a point that's a red pill point but now i suddenly i gotta be a fucking neurological scientist right <laughs> then i've got to go and i gotta source stuff for anthropology or i gotta like i gotta look at like well the post-agrarian or pre-agrarian intersexual dynamics right there's a sociological aspect to it there's a psychological there's a political aspect there's a religious aspect to it there's so you think about how how human sexuality and and i don't and i don't mean like fucking i mean like how we i mean that's part of it but like how we what motivates us and what are the downstreams effect of that motivation 
when it comes to society, how do we organize society, men and women? We're already, we're, we're questioning that right now. It all comes back to one thing. It all comes back to the red pill. It all comes back to what we call the red pill, but the praxeology that is the red pill in understanding with no bias, or as best we can, no bias, and just looking at it from a nuts and bolts perspective. I wrote the foreword to Ryan Stone's latest book, which is called Praxeology, Frame Praxeology. Um, and I was trying to explain it and, and I was talking with Ryan. I said, how can we like make this like, like understandable to people? Because you use a word like praxeology and people are like, huh? It's like a $10 word. So if you think about the red pills of praxeology, think of it in terms of like, it's a Chilton manual. Do you know what a Chilton manual is? No, no. Chilton manual is like what it was. A, it's a manual that is specific to a particular car that mechanics would use if they needed to have a source of part or if they need to learn how to tear down a par, a car into every nuts, every down to the last bolt and how to put it back together again. And so it's like a Chilton manual for intersexual dynamics in that it will show you where the parts are, how they go together, how they, you know, how everything functions and how everything is constructed for a 1968 Volkswagen bug. Right. Mm -hmm. And then, okay. So I've got the Chilton manual for that. The problem is, is that the Chilton manual is not quite, complete and maybe we want to erase apart and put something back in but primarily it doesn't care how you drive the car it doesn't care that you like the car it doesn't care how it doesn't tell you how to not turn in a skid it just tells you this is how the car is built that's primarily what the red pill should be and it's based on empiricism it's not based on emotionalism although you have to acknowledge emotionalism for some of the aspects of it and so when I go on Dr. Phil and you go into that, the lion's den there, I'm speaking the language of like the praxeology. I'm speaking the language of empiricism. And that's really hard for a show that's like based in emotion. So I think that's the, the, the disconnect most people have with uh, the red pill is they want to be told how to feel about the information. That so makes sense. like if I'm telling them hypergamy, whatever, or if I'm talking about the, the alpha widows, or I'm talking about uh, war brides dynamics and stuff like that it's not enough to just tell them the dynamic like most people want to go oh how should i feel about this role give me a prescription give me a solution for this the red pill is not about is not a, fundamentally not about solutions it's about data and how you interpret that data it's about equipping you so you can make better decisions for your life for sure but i always leave the prescriptions up to the individual so and, and people that rubs people the wrong way Sorry, yeah, sorry about the. It's all right. I know. I get allergies. I get allergies right in like in the springtime when like all the freaking hayseeds out and we got pollen from the pine trees. Oh, New York. I grew up in Brooklyn. It was it was mm -hmm. really tough for the, through the different seasons. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, you have wow. There's so much, so much to unpack. You know, so, and, and people think. Uh, let's say that before you continue, people think I'm like really super long winded about things, and I am, but because I have to be. Because if I don't cover something, people will go, ah, I got him. He didn't, yeah, yeah, he didn't yeah, think yeah, yeah. of this. I'm like, no, I did. I'm just trying to give it to you in a brief way to, so it's easily understandable and digestible. And they think they got you on something. And it's like, it's easier for me to be like comprehensive and tell like tell a story like in, in, in detail than it is for me to have to backtrack for people who want to like catch me on something I, it I takes longer to have thing. that discussion than it does for me to like like be long-winded and tell you about things. i completely agree i 
I'll sense as soon as I say something, what people in the comments are going to say. So I, I, I completely agree. It's smart to do that. Oh man. Gosh. I'll tell you, let me tell you a really funny story. Um, when I was on Dr. Phil, I had people asking me, they're like, Rola, are you nervous to go on Dr. Phil? I'm like, no. I'm like, I, I look out at the audience. There's there maybe like 200 people in the audience. I like, I got more than that in my waiting room right. <laughs> for my shows. Like I, I regularly play to like anywhere between 2,200 and 4,000 live views, depending on what the topic is. I'm not nervous about that, but it's like the engagement stuff. You and I, since you do this, I want you to acknowledge this too, because like when I was on Dr. Phil, there's no engagement there. There's no like, it's all, well, it's not scripted, but it's outlined. And mm -hmm. there's no back and forth. There's no like, what do you think about this? They're like to the audience or there's no chat room. There's no nothing. And when I was on Dr. Phil, I wasn't, I didn't give, I was completely oblivious to the, the, uh, the uh, audience that was there. I was thinking, what are, what are the people who watch this on YouTube <laughs> going to say, if I say this on Dr. Phil's show, there's no right. chat room. But there may as well be because there's a chat room in here in my head. <laughs> totally. But that's the good way of going about it. You know, mm -hmm. it's kind of like if you're if you're on stage singing, mm -hmm. you ignore everybody there and mm -hmm. you kind of just do your own thing or you think of something outside of it completely. Yeah, that's good. Well, you know, you uh, look at a I don't know what your what your like views are, but if I if I do a show, like I just had on my clips, I had one clip go viral and I think it's at 1.7 million views. And then, and that was just a clip, but like the actual show might have 60,000 or a hundred thousand views. That's going to fill a major stadium. I don't know how many seats there are in like Raider and in, in Allegiant stadium here, but I'll guarantee you it's probably, probably not above a hundred thousand. <laughs> it's really crazy. We don't, you don't, you don't, people don't put that into perspective. You get a million views on a video. It's, it's. Do you know what a million insane. people looks like? Have you ever yes. seen a million people gathered together? <laughs> So I, many. I, I haven't. <laughs> so many, so mm -hmm. many. 10,000 people. If you saw them outside in the street, it's a lot of people. When I was when I was in my Rockstar 20s, I played to, I think the largest crowd I ever played to was about 3,000. I was like, fuck, there's a lot of people out here. I regularly, have my, my videos get up to like 20,000, 30,000, 60,000. And I don't, I, you're right, you have to put it into perspective. Absolutely. Okay, so... Let's see here. Let's see here. Hold on. I want to. One second. I'm gonna go back to the to the little chat here. Okay. Uh, God, there's so much, man. I could talk to you for 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 six hours. So, in in terms of, I just want to make sure we're still recording. Take your time. In terms of in terms of the red pill. I saw something that I, I even mentioned this to you in DM. You were talking about how a lot of these things, a lot of these applications of the red pill, you oftentimes can't even really talk about. And, and I want to make sure that I'm saying this correctly. You can't even talk about these things a lot of the time with women or with certain women because mm -hmm. there's this emotional barrier where they don't process it the way that it needs to be processed. Mm -hmm. So you almost, you want to apply it and live it and experience it and just allow it to be as opposed to trying to drill it into the other person mm -hmm. am i am i yeah, saying you're, that you're correct there's a well there's a psychological principle it's called the observer effect and I, I it might be called the hawthorne effect like the real name for it but it's the observer effect observing a process changes the process so and that's fundamental in any field work when it comes to like psychology and stuff mm -hmm. people when people have like 
experiments that are in the lab. They are all there. You have to say this is a lab experiment. As I was saying before, like, I, you know, jokingly, it's like I'm the Diane Fossey of the red pill. It's like I go and I take, what are humans doing, right? It's observing it happen. But if people know that they're being observed, they'll behave differently. True. Animals, animals will, will behave differently if you're trying to, if, you, if they know they're being watched. So it's like that self-conscious. Like, so observing a process changes that process. And that's the, the basis of, um, uh, I always have to sort of take like studies that are qualitative studies where people are doing self-reporting. I have to take that with a grain of salt because the people who go in there know that, that they're taking an experiment, right? And sometimes there's no way you can get around that. It's still valuable, but it's not as valuable as like a quantitative study where we can look at like, you know, numbers and stats and stuff like that. But yeah, when you are discussing the red pill, I always tell guys, don't discuss the red. If don't discuss the red pill with any woman that you want to get after it with, don't discuss it with, um, don't discuss it with any woman that you think you might have a potential intimate relationship with, because women don't want to be told about what women want to play the game. They don't want to be told that they're playing the game. They don't want to say, oh, this is, this is how everything works because it takes sort well, it takes the magic out, but it removes the process of interacting with that person, with that woman by saying, okay, here's what's really going on in this process. So it's observing the process, which changes the process. So it's like guys who are like very analytical, which is a lot of guys today who want to make an Excel spreadsheet over like, oh, here's why I got rejected. Or I can remember there's a guy, it was in 2014 and people are going to think it's the guy who made the Excel spreadsheet about why his, his girlfriend or his wife wouldn't fuck him. But there, no, it's, that's not that. It was this guy who created a, a data set or an Excel spreadsheet of all the reasons why women rejected him. So he would go to them afterwards and say, hey, can we just be friends? Like he go, okay, why, why, what is it about me? Because he's, I mean, men are deductive problem solvers. It's just bonehead male logic. Like we want... I want to know what I'm doing wrong so I can be successful when I do it right. It's trial and error, right? Hypothesis incorrect. How do I change that? How do I get the effect I'm looking for? So guys being analytical, deductive problem solvers will go to the source and say, okay, it didn't work with you. Why didn't, you know, critique me here. Tell me why I didn't, why it's still popular today. Like guys will do like there, I know I can name some blogs, right? Or some, uh, some uh, podcasts right now where that's actually their, their, their grift is having a woman come on there and critique the guy's approach and a, a critique his game. What did he do wrong? What did he do right? That's male deductive reasoning. So right. guys want to apply that, guys who want to apply that to their dating lives or their intersexual you know, relations with a woman. The problem is, is you're explaining the game. You are, you are explaining instead of demonstrating. And so you, by observing the process, you change the process. No woman's going to give you an honest answer to begin with. That, so that's, that's level one. The other thing is the very fact that you would want to do that shows that you don't understand. So when a guy says, well, what did I do wrong? How do I get better at this game? Right. Well, the fact that you're asking the person you were trying to get better with, how do I do that? That's observing the process that changes the process. So I tell guys that, you know, again, this is not a prescription. This is just like, this is why that shit doesn't work for you is if you're trying to like understand why women don't want to fuck you, don't try to get, don't ask for that data from the girl, go out and see what's going on in the wild, go out and observe it without affecting the process that you are already involved in because women don't want 
They say they want the truth, but they don't want full disclosure. They, no, they want they to not. play the game. They don't want to be told that they are playing a game. So, because if you're in the process and you're in the, like women will call it, like, they don't, we don't even know what to call it. We just know it when we see it. So women call it vibing right? We're on, we, we connect, we're on a, a wavelength or something. No, no, you're not. This is just the guy's good at playing the game without you realizing you're playing a fucking game. And he's, maybe he knows, and maybe he's just really good at it because he's a natural and he probably doesn't even know why his game's all that good. Or maybe he does, but he's such a good fucking player that he makes you think it's all organic. And that there's no, mm -hmm. no motive. There's no manipulate. At least that's manipulation. It's psycho psychological, um, game, that's what I call a game, right? They, well, I don't want any guy who's going to play games. Well, you're playing games just by interacting with the guy because you're- It's all you're, a dance. It's vibing. all a game. We're vibing, man. Yeah, if I yeah. go and I say, like, for instance, if I, I've got, I've had guys say this, well, women should just talk, communicate like guys, like say what they mean and mean what they say. Then you'd be dating a guy. Right. <laughs> because right. that's like guys, we're very deductive and very pragmatic and very efficient at trying to be you know, problem solvers. Really, you know what it is? We all guys jokingly, yeah, you know, on occasion, I don't like the word complain, but you know, women are very different. They're, they're more emotional. So we've all been used to this. If they make something more complicated than it needs to be, or they, they drag things out or aren't. Well, you probably heard it. Get, you probably heard guys like say, like they get, especially like what we call gamma males or incels, whatever you like guys who are like hyper analytical and hyper literal. And they get really frustrated. I'm, and by the way, this is not a new phenomenon. This has been around for since human beings have been human beings. Mm -hmm. But you got these guys who get really super analytical and they go, why does the girl, why is my crush? Why is the girl I really want to get with not want to get with me? I have a job. I'm kind of good looking. I come from a good family. I would never treat her bad. I would be a good father. And you could just enumerate all of these, these value added qualities and the girl goes and fucks the hot guy in the phone cannon party in Cancun on spring break. And then the guy does, because it's that male deductive logic. How can she not see that I'm the perfect fit for her? And I would never treat her shitty like the jerk boyfriend she keeps going back to and complains about and calls me up or calls her girlfriends up and cries a bloody river about. And they just don't understand why because logically that doesn't make any sense it's illogical like then so what they say well women are just irrational and illogical no they're logical it's just that you're not the logical you, your conclusion is not her conclusion she wants to fuck that guy and 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 lock him down in the hopes that she can change that guy to be you, <laughs> you <know>? because <laughs> With an she, edge. he you, makes a more her exciting feel something. you yeah, much she, they want to they want to bang justin waller they don't want to bang you and, but the guy says well wouldn't it be great if you could just reason with a woman like you would reason with a man and say, okay, here's my, honey, here's my checklist. I'm dependable. I'm loyal. I go to church on Sundays. I like puppy dogs. I want kids. I come from a good family. I go to the gym. I got my point with my businesses, blah, blah, blah. I'm the perfect mate for you. You know what you just did? You've explained. You've observed the process and she doesn't want to have anything to do with you because she wants the magic. She's like, no one, no guy has ever reasoned a woman into bed. 100%. You never, you're not going to convince her into it. It's just not, it doesn't. And you're never going to have genuine desire. Or reasoned desire a woman into marrying her. Or reasoned a woman into be. I, I, I got, I got to take it out of the realm of sex all the time. So people don't think I'm just talking about like getting your rocks off. Reasoned a woman into a relationship.
yeah, that'll that'll never get you to the place you want to be. And if if you do manage to pull that off, you'll never have you'll never be in a leadership position. Black pill doomers hate it when I bring this up because they think it should be a process of just absolute Mr. Spock logic. I don't know. Women are just hoes if they can't see how great I am. I'm a look at me, I'm a catch, right? Still, still jerking off on a Friday night, right? Because they don't, <laughs> they don't know how to play. And and the very, the very me saying you need to learn how to play the game. I would never do anything to learn how to make a bitch want to have sex with me. I I'm, have too much respect for myself. Now, if you want to be successful in relationships, if you want to be success, however you define success, if you want to ha- get laid, if you want to have a have a wife, even if you're a trad con, hey, you still have to play the game. You still have to, you're, and the thing is, is like, I got these guys in like MGTOWs who want to say, I'm just exiting the game. The only winning move is not to play. You're still playing. You're until you, until you're in that in, in underground, you're still playing. One what does that time. mean, Rolo? If they're not playing, then they're just, they're jerking off at home. I mean, they have to get it. So what are they doing? They're, they're going they're to just, they're just refusing to, they're refusing to engage. It's like the, the people always ask me like, what, what problem do you have with the MGTOW? I don't have any problem with the MGTOW. Please go your own way. Um, in fact, I've, I've argued this and nobody wants, to, nobody ever gives me any pushback when I say this. If you become red pill aware, you can't help but go your own way. I want my, you probably gone your own way in your own way, right? <laughs> like, But it's very nuanced. Is what does going your own way mean? It can mean something to everybody else. Right. So, so for instance, if you read my book and suddenly you have this like, holy shit, this like explains everything, right? How are you going to live your life after you become red pill aware? You're certainly not going to live like the rest of these schmucks. You're, you're going right. to go your own way. How you use that, that information and that equipment and that education, it's up to the individual. So mm-hmm. when guys say, you, you, uh, Rolo's a cuck, he's, 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 not, he's blue pill because he's married. Okay. Well, do you think that my mind is different today as a result of being who I have been doing what I've been doing for the last 20 years? Do you think I've gone my own way? No, no, you're married. Okay. Well, I can't be red pill because I'm married and I can't be married because I'm red pill. Right. <laughs> so it's like, yeah. I can't win either way. But the, the idea is that the people want to say, well, Rolla doesn't understand MGTOW. I do. I completely understand MGTOW. It's that I know that there's a spectrum for MGTOW. There's the guys who are one end, like like Aaron Clary, I would say, is like MGTOW. In a way, he's been going, he is definitely going his own way. He's not married. He's got a girlfriend. Um, you know, good dude. He's he's living his best life. He loves what he does. He's very happy about it. Uh, George Gammon, another guy I know uh in the in entrepreneur space, um, went technically he's a good living example of a multimillionaire who's going his own way. Um, so but is he in you know, making six hour podcasts about how fucked up women are today. No, he's too busy doing it. He's too busy making money. He's too busy doing his thing. So there's the end. There's one spectrum like on MGTOW where it's like, there's guys who are married who consider themselves MGTOW. They just simply don't make women the measure of their self-esteem of their own esteem or their, their, their self-worth. Right. That I think if there's a defining aspect of MGTOW, it's that you don't make women the metric of your self-worth that I think that all across the spectrum, every one of them can agree with that. Got it. Perfect. Then I'm 100% on board. When you start telling me, repeal the 19th, these bitches aren't worth it. It's moral degeneracy. The black pill, we're all doomed. It's looks maxing, you know, that kind of shit. That's where I check out. That's where I go. Dude, you, that, that's just you wanting to find a cope to not, to, to 
justify why you're not competitive in the sexual marketplace, to justify you why you don't want to be competitive or why the juice isn't worth the squeeze to you. Right. And, uh, you know, again, going back to the praxeology question, they take the data and they create a practice out of the, out of that data. So you've got guys who are in the pickup artist space, or you got guys who are in like the game space. They take that data and they go, you know what? I can leverage this to my advantage. And they out there and they go out They're They're players, but I mean, players in the sense that like now they understand female nature and their nature so they can make it work for the best, their best advantage. Um, and then you got like Tradcons. Tradcon is a prescription. MGTOW is a prescription. Uh, Black pill is a prescription. Uh, the, uh, what else? Oh, MRAs. MRAs is a prescription. And I mean, name the faction. Those are, they're only factions because they have a particular ideology or prescription that they take the data from the red pill and then they apply it to whatever their pet ideology is. It's so funny that there are so many different, what, what are Tradcons? I'm not even familiar. Traditional conservatives. Okay, 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 okay. okay. You're all, you're... You're new here. <laughs> I've heard you say it so many times. I've heard you say it so many. I'm not going to act. I'm, dude, I'm not going to act like I know everything. It's all right. Uh, uh, Tradcons, let's, let's give you some examples. Uh, ben Shapiro, Candace Owens. Okay. Uh, okay, okay definitely okay. Matt, Matt Walsh. Matt Walsh is the king, is their king. Um, I think who else? I would, I would throw Jordan Peterson in there. I would throw, I don't even want to put Michaela in the same world. Uh, <laughs> you give that girl she's so a, she's functionally autistic so um the i'm trying to think who else would be a good example i, I, I would have said elijah Schaefer up until about probably about a year ago uh charlie kirk definitely a trad con uh, i don't know if you even know who these names are i know who they are i know who they Any, all are pretty much anybody who's yeah. on daily wire trad con. right i happen to be a bit a ben shapiro fan i like prager you prager you very much yeah i like ben shapiro 100 uh regard yeah regardless of how maybe he he views the world in the dating space mm -hmm. you mentioned you're married mm -hmm. i've never seen your wife or anything i guess you purposely have it like that you you want to keep her out of the public eye um, i think pop i think people overthink that too much honestly i've been married for 26 and a half years my wife is gorgeous um people go oh man she's so thin i'm like yeah she's thin for a reason because we work out and we take care of ourselves. My wife looks better than I would say 80% of women who are like probably half her age right now. I can say that confidently. You know why? Because 75% of the U.S. population is overweight. Right. And for women, 40% of women are morbidly obese. So statistically speaking, yeah, she's an outlier for sure. Um, I have a daughter who is 24 years old um, and has is was a pageant girl, a pageant winning girl. So, and she's got a master's degree and she graduated with honors. So when people like throw rocks at me for being like red pill in the perspective, like people want to cast me as being like sort of a, a dating coach or a PUA guy, but yet I've got a, a marriage that's 26 and a half years long. Uh, I've got a great daughter and we have a great family. And it's like, I have, I have what most guys would think would be a, an ideal marriage. I have sex with my wife all the time, right? I and then by the way, I can go down and do Access Vegas, and my wife is like, "We'll look through the girls and say, oh, that one looks good.' She's she's we're not swingers or anything. She's just like we will will critique the. the I was going to ask girl. you that, by the way. I was gonna, yeah. I really wanted to hear. No, I wanted no, to know no, if monogamous. Sorry, I think monogamy is going to make a comeback. Really, <laughs> heterosexual, um, monogamous Rola, relationships. <laughs> I think that's awesome. By the way, Rola, make a I comeback. Think, <laughs> I think I'm very I am very pro monogamy. 
-hmm. not because I wouldn't want, let's be honest, man, if I'm married, especially a couple of years in and my wife comes over and says, Hey, I kind of want to introduce another girl into it. I would probably think she's testing me and trying to bait me. Like say, oh, you really <laughs> wanted that. Got yeah, you. you. <laughs> so you really know uh, who you said you were. I, I knew, I yeah. knew it. I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> yeah. But but I think how many OnlyFans girls are you following? <laughs> got you. No, I uh, I I okay, so but I, so real as, far quick, as, well, I as far as my wife is concerned, as far as my wife is concerned, she doesn't have a Facebook, she doesn't have an Instagram, she doesn't have an OnlyFans, she doesn't have, she's not on Tinder, she's not on, it has no social media footprint, not because Roll Tomasi said, bitch, you better not have it. I'm not, I didn't pull it, she can have, I wish she would in some cases, but um, she just has no interest and never has really because she does what she does. We live our fucking lives. Can we do that like offline too? <laughs> so when people go, I'm going to go hunt down Rolos, like people have hunt, hunted down and doxxed my my wife, my daughter, and my mother-in-law um, because they will go and hunt like pictures off of my daughter's like Instagram or my daughter's like Facebook. And then like, there might be a shot of my wife hunted somewhere, right? So but I don't make my wife part of my brand. And the reason why I do that is because the minute I do, I turn my brand into an ideology. So that's why I kept saying when, when, I, when I do my stuff, when I'm talking and when I'm doing speaking engagements, when I'm writing books, again, it has to be asocial, apolitical, a-religious, a-whatever, a-ideological. You know, when you pair the red pill with religion, when you pair the red pill with politics, when you pair the red pill with your marriage, now people can dismiss you because they go, ah, I get it. That's the ideology. He's one of these trad con guys. He's, he probably goes to church on Sunday. Fuck it. Next on to the next one. Right. Rather than, you know, stopping for a moment and listening to what, what a person has to say. So I've never made her a part of my brand. I will never make her a part of my brand. She will never be sitting next to me doing interviews or anything like that. Right. Not because I don't want to show. She has, just has no, she doesn't want to be there. And I'll tell you the reason why I was very secretive and I still go by Rolo Tomasi and I didn't show my face until 2017 was because I was working for like the liquor industry. I was working for, I had a, a portfolio of about two dozen brands. Some of them would have been okay with me being who I am. Other people, they would try to get me fired. They would try to get me canceled. So I kept anonymity for the protection of my wife, my daughter, my family, my dog. Um, you know, I, it's like, there's a reason why Batman has a secret identity. It's not because he's like egotistical or anything like that. He just wants to protect the people who would get hurt if anybody knew sense. who he was. You said you had a Greyhound, right? I have two. Well, I've got one now. I will soon have two again. <laughs> I usually have anywhere between four and two greyhounds. So I've been uh, fostering and reconditioning and I actually uh, am <laughs> and adopting the ones that we fail. Um, That's nice. But I've been that. doing that for about 12 years now. So That's I'm awesome. I, I, I just love that. I love people that love cats, dogs, or, or either one of them. Oh, there's, I, there's no bad dogs. There's only bad owners. hundred percent. One hundred percent. I want to get a Belgian Malinois. You know that breed? Yes, I do. Gad saw that's his favorite breed, actually. As the best. Fact. It's mm -hmm. well, he's also a heap. It's uh, yeah. it's yeah. the standard. It it's the standard dog in the Israeli military. So and I understand, and I understand why. Very intelligent, very athletic. They're the German Shepherd of of Israel, if, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, we we yeah. used to use German Shepherds, but they have a a lot of them have spinal issues. Yeah, they get the hip dysplasia. Right, right, right. Greyhounds get it too. That's why I know. 
Really? Yeah, yeah. But I, oh, I'm obsessed with those dogs. Love them. So I actually think that because you have a successful marriage, to me personally, I take your points a lot more seriously because you have a successful marriage. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why a lot of other people do too. You might not even realize that. I think that's oh, the case goodness. because you have a stable family. You don't keep, you don't push your family in front of everybody. They're not my and, brand. <laughs> say again? They're not my brand. Right. I actually, I think you're doing a great job. I think you're, you're living life on your terms. Clearly your wife respects you. And, uh, I, I, I just think you're in a great example. So, well, see, uh, that's, it's a blessing and a curse because if I go on with like someone like Jedediah Bila, who's very much a trad con, or I go with, um, like the, the, the best part is like, if I've, if Matt Walsh were to come at me, like he just recently did at uh, Ryan stone, um, he would have nothing to say because my actually i've been married longer than matt walsh has so so if he wanted to come at me i've got that sort of as like well you know you can talk shit about me and you can talk shit about the red pill but what you can't talk shit about is the results because i've got at least as good if not better results than you do right if you're going to flex i don't flex my family i don't i don't right. need to it's not my brand it's not i'm trying to talk about like greater concepts than just like oh he's got a wife um I, i'm around beautiful women all the time with in my in when I was in my rock star 20s when I was in the gambling industry doing promos when I'm doing in the liquor industry and now I'm doing mm -hmm. this of the access Vegas I'm all, I'm sitting next to girls who are like half my age I'm fresh and fit you know people go oh how many how many guys wives would be cool with that yeah your wife must be really really well because we have trusting. we want we, well, so yeah well that but it's also uh it's also value it's also intrinsic value. People start to go, what's a high value man, right? Well, high value man is the guy that, that, that a woman knows that her man is the guy that other men want to be and other women want to fuck. But yet you see, he's you, with her. You okay. could cheat, but you don't. And that's yeah, the women, that's, but yeah, so that's Yeah, I was going to say, that's one of my sayings. is like women don't want a man to cheat, but they love a man who could cheat. And and it's because you have, I, I have options. I could, I don't want right. to, I have no reason to. I'm complete. Right. I got, I got real good home cooking and have had it for 26 years. I love what you're saying, man. I don't I need it. I, I had my, well, I had my fun when I was in my twenties. <laughs> and like, now I'm like, I'm not saying I'm not, I don't think the girls are hot, especially when they look like freaking brandy, freaking what Andrew was like last Thursday. I mean, God damn, but I'm not dead, but I, I'm I'm with my wife, right? That's to me. That's like if I think sex, I think Mrs. Tomasi. I don't think sex with these girls. You know, that's special, man. Because at the end of the day, it's like, does your hind brain, does your dick want that? Do you want other women? Yeah, you. There's a desire, but when you weigh the two, and you I know what attractive loving... woman looks like. Am I around? Hell yeah, for for sure. But like, am I gonna act on that? No. That's, That's awesome. the thing that gets me is like, I get, I, you probably, I, I know this is probably in your, your question list. So let me just see if I can preempt you. Sure. Um, okay. You'll hit, you'll hear guys like Myron on Fresh and Fit or uh, Andrew Tate for sure. Uh, Kevin Samuels just says the same thing. It's like a high value man should cheat or is no, gonna really. cheat. Or uh, I know uh, Justin Waller, Justin Waller's like, uh, you know, if you, you got a high value man and he's in uh, a room with a hot chick and the opportunity's there, and she wants to. The desires there. He's gonna. He's gonna put push that button every time. And I can tell you right now. I said it just depends on the dude. It depends on the guy and what his relationship is. And oh, the problem is, is that if I say, 
And I would put myself into that hypothetical situation. I'm sitting here and there's a girl buck naked across from me in this room right now. You're going to fuck her, aren't you? Well, first of all, she's not going to be in this room. And then second of all, would you do, would you want to do that? Want is one thing. Do is another. So when, when everybody says all guys are only as or only as faithful as their options, that is true because most guys don't have options. A hundred percent. Or they don't get into a position where they would ever be in that that state where they would have to decide, oh my God, I can't tell if I want to fuck her or I don't. No, you want to fuck her. But oh, yeah. the, the want and the desire is there. Is that guy going to actually do that? Is he going to behave that way? That's the test. And that's the real, I think that's the, the difference here. Now, should high value men cheat? I'm not going to say they should or they shouldn't because I don't deal in shoulds. Will he? Not. It's not always 100% sure, 100% certain. But the problem is, is that when you present that and say, a high value man could cheat. Yes. I'll, I'll say yes, for sure. Should he cheat? I'll say no, because it just depends on the individual, but it's also m- most guys don't get into that position. And then second of all, it's, it's based on this idea that that's unfalsifiable. So if I say I'm a high value guy, I've been married for 26 years. I've never cheated on my wife. People go, you sure? You did, yeah, of course. You've been smashing those girls, but like they want to make they they want to fantasize that you're actually not who you say you are. I am who I say, I am. and so if I am who I say I am, then I'm a cuck, or then I'm a then I'm blue pill. Then I'm not a high. I can't be a high value guy if I'm have the opportunity and I'm not fucking those girls. See what I'm saying? So it's unfalsifiable. So if I go and I say. Look, I've been married for 26 and a half years. I've never fucked anybody but my wife in that t- those 26 and a half years. I've never, you know, got a blowjob. I've never got, it's I've always bring it home to mama, right? That's always what I've done. Then I'm a blue pill schmuck because I haven't done that because I'm high, clearly I'm high value enough to be, you know, rubbing elbows with these girls who are half my age. So what am I? Am I blue pill? Am I low value? Or maybe I'm high value, but I'm blue pill in my head. What what is it? It's unfalsifiable it because you if you're not value. doing it, you you're you're not that person. If you are doing it, congratulations, you just you're you're a, a moral degenerate and you're not who you say you are. I think it makes you the highest value to be able it's to do no it. Win, it's a no it. win situation. Well, fucking. <laughs> I'm right very familiar with a lot of those. There's a lot of variations <laughs> of that, and this is in the in the master. It's it's just so funny how people take your your knowledge and teachings, and they go in 50 different directions with it. It's just so interesting. They take it the way they want to. That's what I told Dr. That was the first thing out of my mouth on Dr. Phil. It was like, I've been doing this for so long and people have taken my work and it's used it as the basis or inspiration or their work or their whatever they're doing is a derivative of something that I've done in the past. And I'm not saying I'm the originator of all this shit. So just don't, I know people, like this is me thinking chat. People people are going to see this and they're going to get, I know what you're going to say. Um, but I, I went up on Dr. Phil and I said, yeah, it's been bastardized and it's been distorted and corrupted. And it's been like one way or the other to like, to the extreme on like, like the Andrew Tate side. And then like maybe on the Tradcon side, who's anti red pill and then pro red pill. Both of those have taken that work to ridiculous extremes, like absurd extremes. So the first thing I said on Dr. Phil is like, uh, I've been in this and doing this for so long and people have used my work for so much and corrupted it and bastardized it for so long that I got to come on Dr. Phil and be a Andrew Tate apologist. And I'm not going to do that. I think the work stands on its own, no matter who you think should be the figurehead of it. Right. Yeah, no, I remember you saying that verbatim. 
So let's see here. Then we spoke, okay, there, there's also the, oh, you know what? I wanted to get into this actually, because I spoke to Michael Sartain about this on when I had him on my podcast. Did you bring him on a Zoom call or what did you do? It was a Zoom call. It was a Zoom call. I was actually wearing this exact same sweater. Now that come to think of it. So we spoke about male and female friendship and he's very pro the idea, but I don't to call him out. And I think he's a very smart guy. I love you, but you guys are great together. And I agree with almost everything he says. The one thing I didn't agree with, and I, I think I kind of got him on this. He says men and women can absolutely be friends. And I think the only reason that he's friends and they happen to all be attractive. I don't think he's friends with any unattractive women. And I think the simple reason he's friends with them is because he's created so many, such a large group of women around him that if he's friends with them and doesn't show much interest in having sex with them as a byproduct, they're going to trust him. More and more women are going to enter his circle. And then he has all of his pickings. Mm -hmm. So I think it's friendship with the intent for unlimited sexual options. I don't, I, 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 cause I asked him if all of these women that you befriended were not willing to have sex with you all, let's say there are 200 of them in a, in a circle and each of them, for whatever reason, just said, Michael, you're cool. We're, we're, we will never have sex with you. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that would, if he would spend his time doing this. What's your Okay. Take? So uh, that will probably be the one point of contention that we will always have some, we'll always have a debate over like myself and Mike. Now, Mike is in a very unique position. And I think people recognize this primarily sure. because whenever I have this discussion and it's come up a lot on a lot of different shows, um, it's usually, I have to define the friendship aspect so that he knows that his experience with inter intersexual friendship uh, is way more different. It's definitely an extreme outlier from what most guys experience. So uh, in my book, I have a, a, a chapter in there saying, uh, what, the title is uh, Letting Go of Invisible Friends because most guys want to start like a long-term relationship or I a, a, a long distance relationship. And so it's like very platonic and they want to make it intimate or there's guys who will get into like playing friends, like they'll accept a let's just be friends rejection. And they think that, oh, I'm really her friend. You can be friends in the hopes that there's a chance, you know, like if I prove myself later on down the line, then we'll be fucking soon. Right. Uh, I just, I, I, she wants to fuck me, but she wants to be friends now because uh, because I didn't prove myself well enough to her. So I'm going to now persevere and I'm going to be persistent about it. That's a bit, that's, I think is one of the more dangerous kind of mindsets for like blue pill guys. And by the way, I've heard guys like Grant Cardone say that kind of shit. I have heard guys who are in the positivity, motivational speaking, uh, circuit saying, yeah, well, I'm with my wife who has like next to Z you can tell has next to zero respect for that guy. But he's very proud of the fact that he was persistent and she gave him a let's just be friends rejection. He stuck at it and stuck at it and stuck at it until the point where he's like making a shit ton of money. And now maybe suddenly you look like you might be a good partner for me. Like that's a story for a lot of guys. But it begins with the friendship thing and the belief that men and women can be platonic friends. So if you're fucking your friends, does they are they still your friends? <laughs> Right. Because yeah, I, even Mike will say this. He probably said on your show, I was like, yeah, but I've had sex with my friends. Well, 
<laughs> How many yeah. guys are doing that right now? <laughs> like, that's not, the the general bit. populace is not fucking their friends. Okay. That's why they're their friends. I, I would all I would say that being platonic friends with a woman is mutually exclusive from actually fucking that woman or having had fucked that woman in the past or wanting to fuck that woman in the future. So I always put it into perspective. You have to remember, like it's not just when Harry met Sally, right? It's that that scene in that movie. Um it's compare your friendship with your best your best guy friend like think of your who's your best friend who's your best guy friend right there's a guy behind he's your roommate i got a i got a i got a couple of really a couple guys. guys let's just say there's two or three guys that you know. yeah now, think about a... think about how you relate with those guys like hey man you want to go get a drink down the beach or whatever the fuck what i don't know what you do like let's go to the gym right you have a different kind of men when it comes to intrasexual friendships we have a different way with relating with each other and women have when it's women and women when it's they have same sex friendships they have a different way of communicating and being friends like women are friends with women men the way men are friends with other men is way way different than how women are friends with women so for example i can be on the i could be on the phone with mike who i consider one of my a very close good personal friend and i'm like hey what's up fucker you know, <laughs> or, Hey, we're going to do this. Yeah. Okay, cool. And you just hang up. No, no goodbye. No, nothing, whatever. Yep. And my, my, my wife or like my daughter be like, are you guys fighting? Is there something wrong? Is there, are, are you, is, are, are you, so mad? no, what, what, what gives you that? Because we're relating we're friends and we communicate as males with males. That's what I love about being a guy, right? For women, it's like, Hey, let's go down to Starbs and reconnect. I really want to catch up with you. And it's like the act of communication and being like that whole thing is very satisfying for one. So as a result of that, women and women form friendships with each other and men and men form friendships with each other way, way differently. So now take a man and take a woman and go, we're just going to be friends. Okay. But how, what's going to set the, the, the friendship dynamic between the, the, the male friend and the female friend, female friend her only frame of reference for friendship is her girlfriends. The guy, his frame of reference for friendship is his guy friends. So when I say men and women can't be friends, I, I think I should probably add a little caveat to that and saying that they can't be friends in the same way that they're friends with their guy friends or women with their women friends, because it's a, it's a completely different dynamic. The problem is, is guys will make concessions and will tolerate so much more bullshit with a female friend that if their male friend did the same thing, they would fucking punch. They would come to blows. It would come to blows. They will tolerate so much more. Well, and that's because the, there's the underlying desire for sex. And, and well, there is, but it's even even if they're like guys will say, "I have no desire to fuck her." Okay, so you could say that's a cope, and maybe it's not. Maybe it is. Okay, but even if it's not, still the fact that she's a woman, even if you don't want to fuck her, you have oh, I don't have any arousal for her. She's just a good friend. She's a platonic friend. Okay you are still going to treat her differently because she is female and you can't help but do that because she's going to respond to you as how a woman would respond to a girlfriend. So that's why I said like, and this is one of my quotes out of my book is like, women have boyfriends and girlfriends. If you are not fucking her, you are her girlfriend. girlfriend. I, I and the reason for that is because that woman, and again, people say, oh, that's horrible. Girl, come, don't you believe in French? I'm like, no, it's not that it's not because that's that's not as harsh as it really sounds because what happens is when women are relating with women in a friendship capacity they have that women and women friendship dynamic going on when a guy comes in and says hey i want to be your friend too 
and she says, okay, cool, you can be friends. She's going to refer to you or she's going to see you communicating like her girlfriends do because guys will make compromises and, and would tolerate more bullshit. And what happens is you end up becoming her girlfriend because her only frame of reference is how she deals with her same-sex friends. That's why I say if you're not fucking her, if you're not intimate with her and you're pretending to be friends or maybe you think you are friends, she's still going to communicate with you and deal with you as if she's a same-sex friend. That's what that that's what that means. People like lose their minds when I say that. And I'm like, I have to explain it to them. They still don't get it. You know, it's funny. It's not, about, it's not about the fucking part. It's about the friendship part. Rolo, you're explaining this beautifully. You articulated so well from my perspective, growing up as a religious Jew and learning about dynamics from like a biblical perspective. I'm, I'm not religious now. I'm totally traditional, secular. I'm probably more Jewish than you are. <laughs> Very well could be. Wait, what are you? What are you, Italian? No, no I, I am not Italian. Stop it. No, I am not. Your I'm name Danish. sounds so Christ. Italian. Your no, name my, so, my, uh, Oh, come to think of it, you. I think you said this. I think you mentioned I'm not Italian. I think you so what, No, what, people want to know where'd you get the name Rolo Tomasi? By the way, the name Rolo Tomasi is my pen name. It's a pseudonym. It's what I use when I'm a writer. It's what it's not my actual real name. Okay. Oh. But when people hear Tomasi at the end of it, they go, he's trying to pretend he's Italian. That guy is not Italian. Just look at the guy. Right. No, it's from a movie. It's from this movie. So called your name LA isn't even Rolo Tomasi. Holy shit! This is this is a total fuckery. Okay. Well, so you want to know this? <laughs> if you want to know the story behind that, uh, I started referring to myself. I used it as my online like name on the forums back in the day, right? Back in the so suave days, like the mid two thousands. And the the name is from a character or like a fictional character in the movie L.A. Confidential and also the book of the same name. Uh, which I would re I, I regard as one of the best red pill movies of all time. Um, but it's got an all-star cast, Danny DeVito, Russell Crowe, uh, Kim Bassinger, uh, Guy, Guy Pierce. Uh, who else is in this one too? Oh, uh, uh, Kevin Spacey. I mean, it's just an all-star cast. You cannot miss that. I can't believe any, like it's, if you're an American, you got to watch this movie because it's like part of Americana. Like, so I took the name role of Tomasi from a fictional villain that is in that, that movie. And it just stuck and I kept using it. And that's what people started referring to me as, as Rolo. And I'm, I just went with it. I used it as my, my writer's name, my, my, uh, my pen name is Rolo Tomasi. Just think of the chocolate. So R-O-L-L-O, not R-O-L-O. <laughs> and then there's the Vikings guy, you know, from Rolo from Vikings, right? Who was actually a real historical figure. But um, no, I'm, I'm Danish. I'm not Italian. I'm not pretending to be Italian. Do I look like I'm fucking Italian? <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually part of. I can Italian talk like I'm Italian, but I cannot. Be, I will never be Italian. <laughs> well, okay, that's so funny though. Uh, so yeah, in terms of the friendships, it's interesting. It's when I was younger, when I was a teenager, I never. I've had friendships with women, but it was always through another guy friend. So I had one or two guys that always had a bunch of girlfriends. Mm -hmm. So I would hang out with them in that circle but if the girl was attractive to keep it real i was either trying to date her or or have mm -hmm. sex with her and i would look at it and be like is there something wrong with me like am i why can't i just be friends with these women like why can't i go out and go to the movies and play pool and talk to them and go to the mall I'm like why am i why am i so focused why am i so driven to, to accomplish a certain goal mm -hmm. and then as, as i got older i was and i was to bring you to bring it back to this religious jewish point is no, I just understand my brain understands that human men and women were created for a specific purpose. 
-hmm. and trying to push this idea of friendship. It's nice. It's utopian. We like it, especially women. They love this idea, but it's not, not how the way we're built. It's, it's not natural. Well, um, it's not that I think men and women have to be hostile and confrontational and fuck all women. I don't well, of course not. Except for the chick not. that I'm banging. But see, that's the binary mentality that most, the guys and girls have. Well, let me like, elaborate if you don't mind, because I, I I want to expound on that a little bit. Because like does... what, what, what constitutes let me a give, female friend? Let me give you the gray area. I am very friendly with women, meaning if, if she's a colleague, if we have a work uh, focus, if we're working together, strictly platonic i'm not trying to fool around with her will i want to possibly could it happen has it happened yes in my real estate office for example i haven't done it with any of them any of them because i'm going to have to see them again we might have some sort of fallout and it's not worth the risk so in that case i do develop a friendship with them but even so it never gets to the level that i have with my guy friends mm -hmm. okay so yeah. let me ask you this i've asked, i asked mike this too when this this whole topic came, first came up what do you if you if you believe that you can be platonic friends with a girl what is the nature of that friendship meaning like what do you do most guys will say hey man we just hang out okay what does hang I out mean do what does hang out mean what exactly interests do you share that you go hey becky <laughs> let's sucks. go bowling today you know how we both love bowling so much like is is the, is there a shared interest that you have is there like something or is it, or we go hang out. Okay, what is hang out? Do you go over to her house and sit on her bed and paint your toenails? Because like, what's the, the what's the hang out? What's the, what's the activity? What's the, the mutual interest there? It's the same reason Michael does it though. Michael does it in my opinion. Michael has a business interest in it, right? That's right. I, I making know money. what is it. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. He's making, but I also think as a human, he likes the respect and attention that comes along with it. It's, it's a rarity. It's yeah. very uncommon to see a man with that many women around. Mm -hmm. And I think there's, there's several several reasons for doing it, but I think the one reason he's not doing it is because he just loves being around a ton of women. I think I'm sure he enjoys their company, but I think it's mostly for the status, the sexual oh, yeah. okay. options, and the business. Okay, so that's that's reaffirming ego basically at that point. Like where women will say, "Oh, that's validation." No, but what do you do with the girl? Like the girl, you say, "I don't want to fuck you. I want to be your friend. Let's go." parasailing what what is yeah. it what's the activity what's the what else is there is it just like hey man i'm really feeling bad i really want to talk to you let's go to starbs and catch up what 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 is the what is the basis of that friendship like the most of the friendships that i have are not just they weren't put it this way God, remember i told you how guys form friendships differently than women form friendships right? sure. men do women talk so most of the friend like i have different tribes for instance like my band is a tribe there's two guys and there's one girl. Okay. Livy is our singer. I consider her a friend. Do I want to fuck Livy? No, I do not want to fuck Livy. Okay. But I'm also not saying, hey, Livy, let's go see the latest Marvel movie at the IMAX. I'm not doing that. I love her to death. We write, we write great lyrics together. We do something together that is a mutual interest, which is we're both in the same band. She's a singer. I'm a musician. She's a musician. We both write lyrics. We both write lyrics for the songs and everything like that. There's a mutual interest interest in a mutual project that we work on but if i was just saying you know i think i'm looking for a female friend out of the blue and i think you'll do right that that doesn't it, that's not how we form friendships so when i'm in the, a band with guys it's because i play the same instrument and we collectively put the project together where the sum of the total is better than the sum of the parts right mm -hmm. so 
when guys communicate, it's usually because they're doing something. So they have a mutual interest in like lifting weights or fixing cars or fishing or whatever the fuck it is. And that's how guys form friendships that might last a lifetime. You might be just right. in the military. You might be in high school. You might be in college. But you had something that brought both of you together that you both do together and you go, hey, we're going to go play basketball. That's our thing, right? We're going to go play today. Hey, we haven't done in a while. Let's go play. Let's go, go shoot some hoops, whatever it is, fish, whatever. There's an, uh, there's an activity, and that's usually what defines the communication between the man and the woman. For women, women get off on just communication. They love the act people, of people versus action. things. Yeah, I mean, there, there's a, there have been there's experimental research where they will show that women get dopamine hits just from the act of conversing with other women. So, and it's not like maybe maybe men don't too, but the men do it for their different reason. We look out at the world. Women look at each other when they're communicating, and so those that communication style also is reflective of how we form friendships. So I've always asked guys, I said, what do you do with your female friends? Because I'm casting it in a male perspective, right? What do you do? Do you go deep sea fishing with Becky? Does she like, will she bait the hooks? <laughs> will she clean the fish afterwards and fillet the fish because she's really yeah. into fishing? Maybe she will. I don't know. But like guys never have like a concrete answer about that. Now, getting back to the point with, with Mike though, Mike has a definite professional interest in staying friends with every one of these girls. Let's just be honest here. Okay. He's also told me, he's like, yeah, but I fuck some of these girls who turned into my friends. I'm like, okay, well, that kind of like, that's a, that's a detail we need to add to the friendship equation. That's a little different. I also believe, Rolo, real quick, that I become better friends with, I have actually more capable of being friends with a girl after we've, we've fucked than mm -hmm. before because- Plus not clarity, yeah. We yeah, post enough clarity. We get it out of the way. There's you know, I don't want to make you my wife, but you'd be a pretty good friend. <laughs> yeah, and and that's yeah. and that's what they sometimes mm -hmm. have the awkwardness because there's emotion now. Mm -hmm. But for me, since there was no emotion, I'm like, okay, I see them, I bump that's into okay. them. Or see, whatever. that's another thing. Is like most women will never understand about guys is their ability to like separate the sex act from an emotional investment. Yeah, that's why guys. That's why guys love porn. Now, there's no emotional investment in that whatsoever. So. Um, no, I was going to say is that for as far as Mike is concerned, he knows he's an outlier. He would, if he was in this conversation right now, he would say exactly the same thing. Um, but it's also Mike is really big on social proof and uh, uh, pre-selection. As you were saying before, if you've got a lot of hot girlfriends and you walk into the club and your girlfriends get you laid with other girls, that's, hey, man, it's leverage. Do it. If you're going to be friends. But the, remember that's the thing he does. Remember I said, what do you do with your girlfriends? He goes to clubs with his girlfriends so they can be his social proof and his pre-selection for other girls that he wants to fuck in the clubs. And he doesn't even need them really. At this stage, he doesn't need a wing girl or somebody who's hanging on. You know, he doesn't need arm candy to get him get him laid. But the it, it comes back to what what's the definition of friendship between a man and a woman? And I would say can men and women be friends? Yes, but not in the same way that men and men are friends and women and women are friends. And it will always be, uh, primarily, it will always be in the woman's frame. Guys, don't, like women don't primarily look out, look for a guy. It, it works both ways, I should say, but they don't primarily look for a guy who's a hot guy that they're attracted to to say, you know what? I don't want to fuck him, but I just want to be his friend. Women don't do that. Men are the ones who initiate friendship with women, not the other way around. And it's usually in proximity, like work. You were just mentioning your workplace um, or it's a church or it's some social gathering. For me, it was for me and Livy, it's a band, right? Mm -hmm. It's there's there's a mutual, there's a reason to be together in the first place. 
instead of just, oh, I think I'm just going to go and form a friendship with somebody. It doesn't work. Human friendships don't work that way as it is. But the dynamic between men and women will always, it doesn't even necessarily have to be a sexual, like I want to fuck her. It is the fact that she's a woman and you're a man and you're going to approach friendship from fundamentally different contexts. I could not agree more. So to, to, to move along a little bit, I love what you're saying is great. Well, the the social, by the way, let me clarify that real quick. The the social proof aspect of what Mike is saying is not wrong. He's a hundred percent right about that. Um, you know, being friends with it, it it benefits him to be friends with certain, especially the more attractive, the better. Right. Oh, but it's also a lot of time. Like I don't, I would not, I know I, I have not yet met one of Mike Sartain's female friends who is overweight and looks like she's a 40 year old divorce. Of course not. Of course not. (laughs) Of course not. But that's just, I don't, I wouldn't have. And I'm happy about that. (laughs) (laughs) I wouldn't have, I just wouldn't have the, the, the energy to be around that many women that often, quite honestly. It's not as hard as you think it is. I think people think of it as this constant effort and it's, uh, it goes back to the plate spinning principle, which is like, oh, Rolo, I could never spin plates because who has time for four girls or three girls? No, that's different though, but that's different because, you know, having a having sex is different than going out with them all the time. Like he really spends a lot of time with them. So that's very different. Mm -hmm. Well, and then like, for instance, like we, we started doing Access Vegas. The, you know, the charter for the show is like, you know, we want to have beautiful women on It's Vegas. Yeah. And we do. And we're getting to the point now where we have women hitting us up in our DMs to be on the show. So there's a different, like before we're spinning plates, but we have to go to them and say, hey, you want to be on our show? Now it's like, they know about the show because their girlfriends talked about it and they want to be on the show now. So that's it's kind of, in a way it's like spinning plates because most guys think that spinning plates requires this constant effort if you're doing it right the plates will spin themselves yep you are 100 percent right so so another good one you've spoken to jenadiah but every time i hear every time i hear her name i think of this this, 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 this christian like this uh, it makes five. you think of, like, like she's like distilling moonshine in the back parking lot or something. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We've joked about that. We talked about that. <laughs> it doesn't sound, I've never heard a woman named Jedediah. It's very funny. It does not fit at all, but I, I've never met her before, but I swear I want to come in with, with, with a cowboy hat and boots and be like, Jedediah, what did I tell you about the seed coming out? <laughs> she would some tobacco. Storms are brewing. <laughs> <laughs> no, she, she would laugh at that too. She's funny. Yeah, yeah she's yeah. really good. I like of all of those creators and all of the sort of come up female creators. I think Jed is my favorite. I, she's she's a honorary sister wife. If she wasn't married, she'd be she, a sister wife. She did not she'd be a sister wife. She did not like Andrew Tate initially. And now she she says so many things he says, and it's very interesting. I see that. I noticed that trend. It's very funny. Did you see the uh, episode that I did with her in July versus the episode I did with her in December? I saw. I think I saw the, the older one. I didn't see the most recent. See one. the newer. Look at the newer one because I did the show with her in the towards the end of July of last year, and man, she was very confrontational. And I said, and she was. She didn't. She was really hostile towards. Well, not really hostile, but she was like sort of uh demean uh, you know downplaying like fresh and fit and and tate and we got I, in fact one of the one of the reasons why she wanted me on the show was because andrew tate had said something about how women shouldn't learn self-defense they should just rely on men to like you know protect them because a you know a, a five foot two 
little lady, it doesn't matter if the guy's trained or not. If the guy is six foot two and he's, you know, got the weight advantage, he's going to like crush you every time. He was just being pragmatic. She, I don't agree with that. I don't agree with that though. I think, I think of course, yeah, yeah, a woman, a woman definitely benefits from knowing it. It doesn't mean she's going to be able to protect herself in every situation. I had to explain exactly what you're saying. I had to explain that to her on that show because she just simply was unaware. She was ignorant of in, in a good way, was ignorant of uh, Tate and ignorant of what was going on with Fresh and Fit. And I said, look, mm-hmm. if you're going to say, I don't know anything about Fresh and Fit, I don't know anything about Tate, but then go for another 45 minutes and say, here's everything you need to know about them. I was like, that's irresponsible. So I went on there and I said, like, here's what they're really saying. And I spelled it out for her. And then over the course of like, since July, all the way to like mid-December when I went on last, um, she's had a 180. Her whole brand is completely changed as a result of being exposed to the red pill. Tate, <laughs> Justin Waller, Sterling Cooper, myself, Fresh and Fit. Um, like, I mean, so now she's on board. I, it's, I, she's a success story. I love Jed. Like, she's. Yeah. You look at her old work, and you look at where she's at. Dude, she was on The View. She used to be one of the hosts of The View, man. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, like that's the effect. Like, come on, man. Can I have like throw me a bone? <laughs> I love, I love when women come around to this. It typically happens when they're older. That's just what I've realized. Like. The one, the one caveat I had was when we were talking at the beginning of the episode about how you can't really explain a lot of these things to women. There are some that you can. They're really. I'm actually. I've. I've been saying you can't. You can. You can explain. You can explain the red pill to any woman you you don't want to fuck. You can mansplain your toxic masculinity. Mm -hmm. You can. You can. You can explain. You can. Why hell I. I don't want to have sex with with Jed. She's married, right? I mean, she's she's Jed. I, I she's cool, right? We're friends because we have a mutual interest, which is podcasting and our, our topics and everything else, right? I'm not calling up Jed saying, hey, Jed, let's go surfing this weekend. <laughs> right? I know you're married, but hey, tell Jeremy I'm taking you out, right? It's not going to happen. Um, but the um, the idea of telling women or trying to educate women about the red pill, women don't want to hear shit anyways. But when they do, when they are actually open to it, you can tell women about the red pill. You can explain things and they can even come around like Jedediah did, right? And you're probably right. Mostly when they get older and they have a little bit more, they go, wait a minute, what's he really saying here? Like they become, Life I think teaches. they become a little bit more better judge of character when it, or they're more open to like, because there's no pretense of, does he want to fuck me? Does he not want to fuck me? Right. Um, but the, uh, the idea that you can't tell women about the red pill, you can tell them about the red pill all you want you just won't fuck them as a result you won't you won't red pill her in the bed by by explaining everything that's why i say demonstrate don't explicate um so you can like for instance i work with torsha like tori grow yeah i know who you're talking about and i love her to death and people will say oh you just want to bang her because she's got big tits and a nice ass and she's got a stripper body and she's fantastic i'm like no i work with just if that were the criteria she's got a little crush on a lot more girls than just i could work with seems like she's got a little crush on you though rollo i think uh i think she's outgrown me i think that crush is over (laughs) she's outgrown you that's very humble she's outgrown me i love i love tori but she's outgrown me which is good. I wanted her. I, I hope she did outgrow me. Um, but, and I don't mean like in the sub sense, I mean, like just in the sense that like she's got what she needs from me to sort of like go and develop her. Go on her own way. She's going to do. She, um, but she's a wig. She's a wig tow now. Wig tow. Yeah. I like that. Um, yeah. But she, uh, she's very knowledgeable. She's of, of all the girls who are like new on the scene. I am most impressed with Tori because she takes initiative. So she will go and like look up my old work, my old stuff. I should like do shows on like essays I wrote like in 2012. 
I'm like, I forgot about that essay and she's doing a show on it. I'm like, oh, fuck. And um, so she takes the initiative. She's read all five of my books, which is more than I can say for even some of the people, my closest like guys that I know in this sphere, she's read all my books. They haven't, right? Um, so she takes the initiative. She's interested. She's genuine. She's about it. That's why I guess maybe that's what I'm getting at. She's about it. So when somebody hits her, like you just asked me about praxeology, she'll be able to explain that to you just as well as I just did right now. Pretty close to it anyways. Um, but if you ask her about like the alpha widow dynamic or the war brides dynamic or uh, spinning plates or uh, crisis of motive or identity, like that kind of stuff, you ask her like some of the nuts and bolts questions, she knows that she's bulletproof when she's on, like if she was on here, she'd be bulletproof. She'd be able to tell you everything. People say, oh, she's just a clone of Rolo. Mm, yeah, but also she comes, she's pretty good at like uh, improvising and innovating for, for herself pretty well. That's why I work with Tori because she knows the material pretty well. Did I explain it to her? Yes. Can you tell women about the red pill? Yes. I'm never going to fuck Tori. So why, why not? If it, if it sinks in, it does. If it doesn't, okay, whatever. Nothing, nothing lost there. But I think she is a, a, a net benefit rather than a net disadvantage, which is more than I can say for a lot of other women that are in the sphere. Speaking of that, what's your disdain or what's your issue with, uh, with Pearl? Pearl is a hack. That's why. Why do you say that? She's in it for the wrong. She's not about it. She's about the show. And she's op very open about that too. She's an entertainer by her own words. She, I am an entertainer. So you don't, you don't think she believes in any of it? Is that what no, you think? No. Well, does she believe in it? I don't think she cares one way or the other. That's just it. Belief. Right. But it does affect so her life. You don't, do you think she, she applies any of what you talk about or what any of all of this is all about? Do you think she believes the red pill ideas or she just, well, the, the, okay, it makes it all, seem that way. First of all, it's not a belief. And then second of all, she, she is, she is a fast follower. She is not an innovator. So she will lift material left and right. She has DM'd me several times uh, asking me to teach her, like wanting to pay me to teach her how to, how to red pill, right? She want, you know, what should I read? What should I do? And I'm just like, if you're asking, that's the wrong answer. You don't need to, if you're asking me to teach you about this, it tells me that you're not about it. You just want to be able to memorize what I've said or memorize these things and be able to parrot them back. I, I, I'm not, I'm not going to get behind that. That's why I turned her down. Um, and she's done you, you that with other, other people as well. But, but how do you know that she doesn't actually want to learn? I'm, I'm sure she does. But the thing is, is like, she's not a good representative, a, a female representative for the red pill because she does a show that everybody's very impressed with. She pays for it out of her father's money to get everything to, you to where it's at right now. People want to know why she's at a million and a half subs. How come you're not at a million and a half subs? You must be jealous, Rolo. I'm like, I'm, subs are a vanity metric. Let's just, be, let's start with that. Second of all, it's like, I don't buy my subs and I don't buy comments and I don't buy likes. And so consequently, my show is only my show is only been is at what a two hundred and four thousand right now. Um, I, I don't Could be organic. Really, Could be yeah, they're all organic, either. and I can say the same for, for Fresh and Fit. They've never bought subs. I know that for a fact. So but how do you know she did? Um, well, because she goes she goes from twenty thousand subs to a quarter of a million subs inside of a month. Right? She goes from that to. Uh, 500 to it's this astronaut I mean, if you look at uh, go go to um go to playboard.co.co playboard.co 
look up her channel and look at the subscribership from like say june of this year or last year and and right about like the end of june beginning of july it just this goes straight you don't up. think that's possible that's an well, it is possible if you're andrew tate it is right. possible if you're kevin samuels it is possible if suddenly everyone is talking about you and they're subbing to your channel but it's also very, very possible to buy those subs because YouTube doesn't care about buying subscriptions. They only care about impressions, click-through rate, and audience retention. That's the algorithm, not subs, not likes, not comments. Impressions, click-through rate, and audience retention comes after that. So those three criteria, that constitutes the algorithm for YouTube. If you look at any other, you can go buy comments, you can buy views, you can buy uh, likes, you can buy subs all day long. And people will say, well, look, Abba and Preach, they've got almost 2 million subs. That doesn't impress me because what are they doing with that? What's their engagement rate? How many people do they have in a live stream? If you look at like whatever podcast, they've got three and a half million subs. You go look at the live stream, there's 300 people in the live stream chat. Right. So you've got a million, you would think there'd be like 60,000. Look at, look at um, Tim Pool. Tim Pool's got like 125, 1.25 million subs. And he is doing like, he had, when he had Louder with Crowder on there, he was like at 125,000 live views. Wow. That <clears throat> is what I'm talking about. Now, if you go and you say, I'm a nobody and suddenly I've got a million subs, but my live stream's still, I'm still only playing to like 800 people. Mm, you're probably fucking. So I, uh, but that's not even the point. Yeah, that sounds like really stupid and petty and jealous and everything. Else. Yeah, like, it does. That's make what everybody's going to say is like, you're just yeah. jealous. You're just coming up with, he's just better than you. Fuck you, Rado. Because they want it to be, they want to believe that subs are the 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 metric for a I mean, hey, they, I think they do help, right? If you have more subs, people assume people that you are, have a bigger. Well, you want to know why Valuetainment is looking at Brian at uh, whatever podcast, and I think he's legit. It's because he's got three and a half million subs. Who are you talking about, Brian? Who, Callum? From whatever podcast. It's, it's oh, out, oh, oh, out oh, oh, out yeah, of, yeah. Uh, Santa Barbara. And I like him too. No, I'm not, not shitting on him. I'm just saying his three and a half million came from when he was doing prank videos. And now he changed his template, his format to be like more like fresh and fit. And you go and you look there and like a good show for him is like eight or 900 live views. That's what they don't see. They're impressed with the subs, but they go and they look, what's the engagement? They don't, nobody looks any beyond the subs because they think- First of all, I hate it. I hate the studio. The studio is, I hate watching it. I don't know what- Really? The whatever podcast? I don't like how it looks. I don't know. Whatever, really. I I, I think Brian is in a really good position. No, no, I'm not saying the podcast is a bad podcast. I'm strictly talking about- So like the the layout, yeah? The layout, yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's some things you could do. I I think that the- Looks like it's in a store. Like it's in like some- store might be um i think the the format the template that sort of myron and fresh have kind of like pioneered everybody thinks that the template will make them successful right so if you get a table and you get a bunch of girls around the table and you have these conversations and then you're going to have a successful podcast it's exactly what pearl did it's exactly what purple pill podcast is doing it's exactly what uh, what uh, Brian at whatever podcast is doing. There's others. There's probably half a dozen other come-ups that are doing the same thing. But what they don't understand is that's that is the template is not what makes them successful. It's the knowledge and understanding of red pill, of the praxeology hat being about it. That's the difference. You want to know why Fresh and Fit are successful and other people who try to follow that same format aren't? It's because Myron reads the books. He's on his fucking game every show. He knows the material. So- when you put Pearl on the spot in an interview, 
and you say, well, tell us about the, uh, the, I don't know, the alpha widow dynamic. She'll be able to like mouth whatever she's heard recently about it, but she doesn't understand the act. She doesn't understand it in depth or she'll just like, I don't know. I just work here. I just, I'm just an entertainer, you know? And that's, I'm okay. I like Pearl. I like her as a person. I think she's great. I just think that she has no business being in the manosphere. So when, and she can have a good show and she can facilitate and get great. You're doing the same thing, right? Get everybody together, have the conversation. Awesome. But when you're put on the spot, like if, if, if Tucker Carlson said, Hey, uh, uh, Rafi, let's, uh, let's have you on. We're going to talk about the crisis of masculinity. You'd probably be able to do okay with, with that. But honestly, honestly, Rolo, I think I would do very well. I, I may not be as well versed. I mean, I don't know. I, dude, I've been, I've lived my, I'm only 28, but I've mm -hmm. had, I've lived a lot in 28 years. Mm -hmm. And uh, I very confident I could hold myself together in these sorts mm -hmm. of conversations. Well, I, t I tell you one of the reasons why I'm just younger. So people, well, for instance, uh, Michaela Peterson was just dragged onto Fox and Friends this morning, as a matter of fact, um, to talk about why, of all things, why it is that men aren't participating in the labor force. Michaela Peterson, she's the foremost leading authority on men's involvement and participation in the labor market. And so what does she do? She pops off with whatever she thinks sounds right. Do you have a well, dartboard? So do, you, do you have a dartboard of her on your wall? Uh, no, 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 no. I do, I do not. I do not. People think I obsess over her so much, but then the problem is, is like, I don't. And then one of my followers goes, hey, did you see Michaela talking about this on this channel? I'm like, you're going to drag me back in. It's like, it's like, no, you can't get away. You know, <laughs> I, I got to drag you back to the, the Michaela thing again. Um, but no, that, but that's, an, I'm using her as an example in this case is like, what the fuck does she know about any of this? Nothing. But you've got Fox and Friends calling her up because they think she knows something about it. Or you've got that girl, Leah Heilpern, in the BBC. She's the one, like, what is it, Pierce Morgan calls her up. Hey, tell us about Andrew Tate. She's had one fucking interview with Andrew Tate, you know? <laughs> and that's just like over a year ago now. And she's just, I mean, she's just enraptured by Andrew Tate. That's, the only, that's her claim wait, to wait, fame. Do you think she just has a crazy crush on Andrew Tate? Is that what this is? She oh, just has it. Kidding? Yes, of course. He he alpha widowed her. <laughs> I I have done. I did a, a podcast. Oh, you think they actually? You think they did the deed? They did the deed. I don't know one way or the other. I'm not going to speculate whether or not they did or they did. Probably who knows, right? Like those guys going to watch us go. Oh, they definitely smashed. Like there's high, I mean, that. there's a high probability, but I'm I'm sure she would want to. Well, you know the connection between Michaela Peterson and Tate as well. Oh yeah, they probably smashed. That I, I would I would be more willing to believe that they smashed than play a hot part. <laughs> Put it that way. Yeah, yeah, it's funny though. But I don't know this. The Leia girl, I'm not really, I've really never seen any of her stuff. I've watched you know what people are you know what people aren't calling Leia for? To talk about Bitcoin, to talk about what she was all about prior to meeting Tate. They don't call her to say, Well, we're in the worst down market in crypto ever. They ain't calling you. They're calling Richard Hart. They're not calling you. <laughs> I mean, oh, yeah, Tate? That, yeah. Hey, we got this bitch that 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 one time she had an interview with him, and she's really about it. Let's get her on. That's what I'm talking about. It's like when you have people who put, uh, put themselves out there as being authorities for the manosphere, and uh, let's see, Pearl. Pearl is very. Um, she's very approachable. She seems like the. She doesn't seem like the jet screaming big titty hootie queens that we have on Access Vegas. They won't get the call to go on Tucker Carlson. 
she will, but she won't know what to say when she gets on there. She'll go on with, uh, I don't know if you saw the, uh, did you see the Vice um, feminists talk? Like they had Allie, uh, excuse me, uh, Sydney Watson was on there. Yep, I watched and it. And she was it, yes. on there and they had, it's just nothing but like mouth breathing like feminists. And of course, one's male. Dude, right? Those women are out of their fucking minds. So if you go and you look at the difference between the responses of say Sydney Watson, who I know, I've been on her, I was on uh, you, you Are Here podcast with her and Elijah Schaefer. She's on her game. She's more red pill. She's more prepared than Pearl was on that show. So that, uh, and who has the bigger audience? Sydney Watson or Pearl? I don't even know Pearl. who Sydney Watson is to be honest. Yeah, see, that's what I mean. Yeah, yeah. you know who Pearl is. And Pearl's like kind of gets caught flat-footed or she'll, here's the thing is when Pearl gets into a situation like that, when she's on that show, that was this really good example, like the Vice, uh, the Vice feminist thing. Um, when she gets into a situation like that, she knows what the response is. So she so she gets a question, what do you think women are doing wrong these days, right? Or what do you, like the nature of women? She'll pop off with some sort of soundbite or some sort of quote she remembers hearing from me or Myron or from the Manosphere in general, or Kevin Samuels, whatever. She'll pop off with that. Every woman on that panel will go, <gasps> you know, and, and they'll they'll have the, the, you know, the response that you would expect. And then they would press her on, on like, well, what do you mean by that? Why do, why do you think that? What is, you know, elaborate please. And she can't elaborate because she's only parroted back what she's heard from somebody else. And she's unprepared to have that conversation, but she puts herself into situations where she will pop, pop off with that and looks worse off for not knowing how to back it up. The reason I have a problem with that is if you're going to present yourself as an authority on the red pill, then you need to come correct. You need to have the background and the understanding and be able to defend those positions. She can't defend those positions because she's only heard them from people on her entertainment show. So she gets caught flat-footed. And then the problem is people go, oh, that girl, that dumb bitch on, on Vice, she didn't know what she was talking about. That's the red pill. That's what it's all about. And then, so therefore people just dismiss the red pill. The same thing's happening with... Uh, with uh, like a kid who was on um, Dr. Phil, who came on before me, the kind of the egghead guy who was like clearly autistic. I don't know if you watched the whole thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Exactly they, that, they were doing the same thing. They wanted to prop him up as an authority on the red pill, as an authority. You know what's, you know what's interesting? You know what's interesting? He did give off a little bit of an autistic I asked vibe. him afterwards. I talked to him after the show and I asked him, I said, have you ever been, does, in fact, I asked him on the show, they just cut it out. But after the show, I talked to him. I said, "Have you ever been diagnosed with Asperger's?" He says, "Yes." So, but so to right. his credit, but to his credit, he's managed it very well as a result of the red pill. That will never make the cut. What he show. said, what he said, still made very much sense, and I and I have all the respect for him. He, mm -hmm. he's, yeah, he's, he was out there and he's doing it. He took it on the chin, but he doesn't know he's taking it on the chin. But he took it on the chin, right? That's why when I went up there, I was all fucking business with 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 Doctor Phil because when I went up there. He was expecting me to be like this, you know, 80 IQ dumbass pro that he always, oh, the baby's your baby. Like, that's what he was waiting for, you know, to come out of me. And I'm like, I'm like a fucking surgeon when I go in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I dissect, I got everything. I'm on point. Why do you think that? Sure. Let me tell you, I've, I've been on this show explaining my points in great detail. Oh, you're long winded. Yeah, I am because it's necessary to be long winded. It's necessary to take the college course of the red pill. There ain't no footnotes. 
There ain't no, oh, quote, the quotable rational male. <laughs> that doesn't exist. <laughs> because if it right. did, people would have discussions and say, oh, he's just uh, he's just an alt-right trad con. He's a Christian. He's a Jew. He's a this, because that's what they believe. And we're going to attach that red pill praxeology to whatever their ideology is or what their impression of that ideology is. And therefore, they can dismiss you easy and go on to the next soundbite. Ain't nobody got time for that. Damn right. You, you, by the way, speaking of uh, Christian and Jew, I think this was on, I think this was with Michael. You, you were saying since Andrew converted to, uh, to Islam, you might have to convert to Judaism. I mean, yeah, that's all that's left, man. That's all that's left for me. Like Rush B uh, converted to Orthodox Christianity. I'm like, okay, that's taken. And then Tate like officially converts to Islam. Okay, that's taken. Well, I think it's left for me when I finally fuck up and I have to pivot and it's, I got to join the tribe. <laughs> Just come to me, and Ad, to, to, to me and Adam. I know enough about Yiddish that I could probably pass. I could probably pass as a Jew. What do you I'm got? not what an Italian, got? but I could be a Jew. Um, no, I, I, I'll tell you what's fine. I, working, <laughs> I joke about this. Um, working in the, the wine and spirits industry, yeah, yeah. There, you have two options. You Like for distribution, you work with the mob or you work with the Jews. <laughs> That's really, how it is. That's really how it is. <laughs> yes, yes. I have been to Briss's before. I've been, like my one of my best friends in the business is Jewish. Like I mean, like practicing awesome. I love goes that. to synagogue, I love goes that. to temple Jew. Yeah. I know. Awesome. I probably uh, other than Christianity, I probably know the Jewish religion like probably better than any other religion. So. That's funny. It would be a, it would be a pleasure having you. Yeah, I'll be part of the. I mean, <laughs> but uh, Andrew. Oh no, uh, hey. Aaron. Aaron Clary is like. I mean, ethnically, he's Jewish. So he's like, hey, we'll have you in the trunk. They did that. They gotta call him oil. <laughs> no. <laughs> they 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 just did a um, uh, PBD just just did a pod just did a podcast, and uh, Adam was on the panel. Who else was on it? I forget. It was Tom uh, Ellsworth, one of their finance guys, and then they had Vince uh, Vince O'Shana, and uh, they they mentioned. They were just talking about Adam. It was his birthday. So they, they made fun of his mom having that classic New York Jewish accent. You know? Brooklyn, yeah. <laughs> like, oh, 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 Adam, you never call. You never yeah. call. <laughs> call your mother. Yes. You got to call your mother. You, you your never mother. talk to me. Mm. I always give you an allowance every every week. Yes. And you have you, the goal, the goal of you not to call me, Adam. <laughs> Have you found a nice Jewish girl out there yet? It's, right. you know, it's Only Miami. Jewish. It's the fit or the sixth burg of New York. <laughs> <laughs> Remember, your family's been Jewish for 3,000 years. You can't go marrying a shiksa. So I told you this. <laughs> you know, what's, I'll, tell you what's, I'll tell you what's really funny is like every once in a while, like it, it, this will come out of me, like in a show. Um, I call things Bubba Miza. You know what a Bubba Miza yeah, is? Of course I do. A yeah, Bubba yeah, Miza. Yeah. Okay. Like, like a, a lot of people don't know what a Bubba Miza is, right? So I have to explain it on my show. I and love like, that Rolo Tomasi just said the word Bubba Miza. Bubba Miza. So because because my, <laughs> my, my good friend, uh, I don't want to name his name, but in the, in the wine spirits, his wife, she's, she's got that kind of accent. She's, she's, she's a really sexy girl, but she has that kind of like Yentl kind of yeah, <laughs> thing yeah, going yeah. on. And, um, and, uh, she's just uh she's she's a kick in the pants but like she'll say stuff like bubble mice and like i didn't i didn't realize i picked up on that until i started using it in my show i think i'm like where did i get yiddish is what it is right and and oh, um, yeah i don't speak yiddish i know yiddish words because i was a waiter in in uh parts of new york that are very hasidic those mm. are really the only people do, do you use the word do you use the word schmutz yeah <laughs> you got some schmutz on you yeah <laughs> i use schmutz. i have used that in shows i'm like where did that come 
<laughs> no, I know a bunch of random words, but I, I speak Hebrew. Yiddish, I don't really speak. Hebrew is very different. You know the difference, I'm assuming. Yeah. 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 So yeah, but it's interesting. I, I think it's I think it's interesting. I, I I really like. I was asked this recently about. Um, oh, I know it was. People were saying, "Well, what do you think of the black manosphere?" I'm like, I don't think it should exist. What do you think of the white manosphere? I don't think it should exist. What about Christian red pill guys? No, we're just red pill guy. We're men, right? So it's right. like I don't care if like I my good friend Craig from uh, Abu American. He helped me write the fourth book, which was about religion. Right? It's the red pill and religion. It's the confluence of red pill and religion. So many people kept asking me about that. They were like. Rolo, I'm a, I, I believe everything you say. I, I completely, your message, I changed my life, but I'm a practicing born-again Christian and I don't believe in premarital sex. Or I am a Muslim and I want to have four wives, but I can't have sex until I get a wife, right? Or, you know, the Jewish side, oh, I can't have sex with my wife if she's on the period, if she's having a period, right? She's, she's in her blood month or something like that. Right, right, so right. those kind of questions and everything started like formulating the basis of book four, and I knew that if I wasn't bulletproof about the religious side of things, people would just like tear me to ribbons. So right. I would, I consulted uh, Rabbi Kaba. I have, who's actually the only red pill rabbi that I know, as a matter of fact. The red and pill rabbi. That would rabbi, actually, his be name is Rabbi Kaba. That's, that's what he goes by, Rabbi Kaba. But uh, I, he was my Ask a Jew uh, part. And then uh, Craig from Abu American, he was my Ask a Muslim. Mm -hmm. um, and then I had Catholics. I actually had uh, when Pat Campbell was alive, God rest his soul. He was the Catholic guy that I would hit up. Um, and then Mormon guys. And there's plenty. Like so, when people found out I was writing a book about religion, they're like, "Well, are you going to write about Amish people? Are you going to write about the uh, Orthodox Christian Church of 1863 that separated from the Church in 71? And then the real Pope is this guy you've never, you know, Saint Pacifico that you've never heard of before." Like so, I'm trying to like cover all my bases. It, it effectively became impossible, but I covered Sikhs, I covered Mormons, I covered uh, the Amish, I covered wow. Catholicism, Evangelical, Protestant, uh, uh, Baptists. I covered uh, Jews, the Jews, which was a piece of cake. The Jews and, uh, and uh, Islam, no problem. I think I did Islam pretty good because I also covered the uh, the myth that you have 72 virgins waiting for you in paradise if you blow yourself up. That is not in the Quran, um, and. That I have is insane. A I have a copy of the Quran. I have Why would anyone of, want that many versions? Though, I have a copy of the Bhagavad Gita. <laughs> yeah, well, so I, yeah, exactly. I, how is that a gift? I, know, 72 I only women. know how to marry them. I don't know how to live them. <laughs> 72 women calling me up. Oh my God, I love you. You yeah. took, you, you know, you, I'm so happy to have that special. Our baby. Our baby number what? 108 uh, <laughs> it's like, jesus funny it's like i think people think like when when we talk about poly I, I, this gets into the polyamory and the poly polygony and stuff topics when people ask me about that or like say what do you think about like muslims and uh, having you know back in the old testament you could have father abraham had two wives and god knows how many maid servants or whatever and so i have to cover my ass on that but i think what's funny is like when i get when i talk to muslims who can't get one wife much less four <laughs> i didn't realize there's a top end you can only have a maximum of four wives in 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 islam uh they don't necessarily say they're going to encourage it but they're only saying have those if you can afford it which then of course comes back to the transactional nature of marriage so there's a lot so you could just go in so many different directions with that 
But again, I don't think there needs to be a, a Jewish, Christian, Muslim, Hindu, whatever red pill, or a black manosphere, or a white manosphere, or a Latino manosphere, or an Asian right. manosphere, or an Indian manosphere, whatever. It's we're are we dudes or are we not dudes? We all share conventional masculinity to some degree. Right. If you got a guy, what was it? I think I was watching. There was this documentary one time. I was trying to make the the case that the Vikings back in like the early back of way back in prehistory found from Greenland, they found like the United States, the, the northern northeastern part of the United States, and that they met there's evidence that they met like Indian tribes, like Native American Indian tribes there. And there was this just mutual understanding between the the male patriarchs, the male tribally, like the guys who were like the guy, I'm the manly, I'm the leader in this, right? And the leader of like the, I want to say it was the Iroquois. I'm not sure which tribe it was. They're just like, that's all it takes. Like they, there's this masculine understanding between two completely disparate like tribes, but you're still a man, you're still human. You see your chicks, you see my chicks, you see my tribe, you see my family. There's this like innate natural understanding between a guy who gets it and a guy who doesn't get it. But when a guy, two guys who get it come together, it's just like, you know, that's all. It's just a nod, right? They understand so they just, that so they just respect there's a mutual, there's a masculine mutual self-respect because it's like I see you, I see the signs, I see the cues, I understand what you're about. I, you know, uh, you know, our ways might differ a little bit, but our, our 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 socialization, our acculturation might differ, but we're still men. And I talk about this with with um, Mike Sartain all the time. Is like there's guys like who just click you click with. Like when, when I saw it, when I first started hanging out with Mike, we started like punching each other and fucking with each other. Same thing with Justin Waller, man. It's like, I get it. He gets me. We're like, are we, we're on the same way. Like, there's no like testing. There's no like, you know, nipple twists or any shit like that. There's no like, oh, no, hey, nipple bitch, twist? Well, that's, come that, on, man. That's that, the, no hazing. That's it's like, it's like, I can jump on his back and he can jump on my back and we can fuck around. Like we've known each other all our lives. And we're like brothers from, uh, you know, a long time ago. Because there's that mutual understanding. Most guys today don't get that. They because they've been socialized behind a screen and they think that that's bullying or they think that's hazing or they think, oh, can't, can't you be more nice? You know, or, or I, there's you will never see this in the uh, in the Dr. Phil show, but there's this one exchange between myself and Imran Ahmed when I was on there. And you know, once he decided that he wanted to be the guy who was the one who took down Andrew Tate, I'm so glad he said that too, because right, you put him in, yeah, hates yeah. his guts. Um, but like, I, I challenged him on a lot of different points. I said, you are absolutely not the guy that took down Andrew Tate. I explained to him in detail that it'll never show up in the show because it's too long winded. Um, but he was, he, at one point in the show, he goes, it's all about power to you, Rolo. I'm like, yeah, yeah, it is. I said, it absolutely is. I said, all human relations are about power to some degree. Go read the 48 laws of power. It doesn't, it's not a guidebook. It will explain to you how that works. I'm not saying be an evil fucking tyrant right. mastermind. I'm just saying that, that there are power dynamics, whether you decide you, it's like what we talk about MGTOW, right? I want to exit the game. You don't get to exit the game any more than you can exit the power dynamics because that's part of human nature, accept it and use it. Or you can just like, you know, go live in a shack somewhere. Right. And so like, so when he comes at me and says, Oh, it's about, about you're all about power. You're goddamn right. I'm all about power. And so are you. And so is Dr. Phil. The fact that you're even on the show means you're interested in power. So go fuck off with that, right. you know, shaming tactic about power. Everybody's in the power. You're just to by order of degree. 
Some people and, just but, know how to, some people know how to get it and some people don't. And some exactly. people use so, it for the. So what was I just saying about like masculine respect? There's that innate natural understanding. That's a guy who doesn't get it. And so I'm right. like, okay, this guy's a little, like, I, I, I know who I'm dealing with. I know that I know, I know that type and I know who I'm dealing with. He's not a tribal leader, put it that way. He's not a, he's not the leader of his household, much less the leader of anyone, any other, no men are following him, put it that way. No women folk are following him. It's just that attitude and that look and that, that delivery. And then just, you could hear it in his ideology, right? It's all my power to you. Like he's offended by that. That tells me what I need to know about it. It's just so interesting. What I just find so fascinating about female nature, and this is a, this is a generalization, is they'll get so upset. They'll get so upset at the very men that they're so attracted to. They'll say the things that trigger them, but those are the men that they always go after. Like I'll sometimes be in a, a, a group, a circle of men and women, and I'll. Funny enough, I actually. Are you as hot as I am? Yes. Do you want to fuck? Yes. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I. I even when I'm very straightforward and direct, I it, I'm able to articulate. I'll give you a great example. Actually, I went to a Shabbat dinner last night. The rabbi is around my age. I love the guy. He's he's a blast. So him and his wife have these beautiful outdoor dinners and there are guys and girls. It's a good time. Mm-hmm. So I was sitting next to this, the, these two sisters and one of them was pretty cute, but she had a very serious face. She wasn't really talking so much. And I knew it was because she was shy, not because she was a mean girl. Mm-hmm. And I forgot how it came up, but I was like, you know, and, and yada, yada has resting bitch face. And I said it jokingly, but she's like, <laughs> she's like, oh, I can't believe you said that. Yeah. 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 And then, and then my buddy, my buddy's sister like gave me this look. I just met her also that night, but she gave me, I'm like, you have to understand me saying you have resting. I look her like dead in the eyes. I'm like me saying you have resting mm-hmm. bitch face is not me calling you a bitch. Mm-hmm. It simply means that you have a very serious face where you, you don't really give a shit about what anyone thinks you do. You're just, you do you. Mm-hmm. People tell me I have that too. They don't say I have resting mm-hmm. bitch face. The people just I tell I me. Resting, you know, I don't think I have resting bitch face. No. Do guys ever seen bitch face? I guess they, they just tell me I look serious all the time. I don't. I don't get it often, but I yeah. do get it sometimes. Yeah, I, yeah okay. I'll tell you. Here's I a better one. Next, next time that happens, next time you're trying to be like engaging, say this. Look at her and go. You should smile more. <laughs> you want to set off a chick? Go. I don't know what I said, smile but it more. went great, dude. It went great though. Her because they what, what happened was, and this is just something you learn as a guy through enough experience is they, when saying something that bold, they're going to challenge you. Mm-hmm. They're going to act. They might even be a little upset. Yes. But if you look them in mm-hmm. the eye and you hold your frame and you stick with your guns and you, mm-hmm. you know, you, I didn't back down from it, but I explained how, how I really thought about it. Mm-hmm. And they said, you know, and they went with it. They totally went. She's like, I, she agreed with me. She yeah. started off acting like she was upset. But then when she realized that I was saying it with, with authority and I wasn't going to apologize for it on a very mm-hmm. simple level. She said, Oh shit. Okay. Well, yeah. Yeah. Because you know, I think too many women are used to guys placating and pandering to them. Oh, That's they why. get scared. They would, they, they, they walk on eggshells. Like I think guys, well, certainly like, you know, the 80 percenters, like the beta, most beta male guys. And I would say even probably part of the 20 percent <laughs> how they were raised, but like they walk on eggshells. That's the default setting is to walk on eggshells. I don't want to offend because if I offend, yeah. I won't get laid. And so they they become very accommodating. Okay. They become very appeasing. They become very like uh, you know people pleasers kind of thing with just with women, right? And that's I I refer to this as women's like hypergamous filter, right? They they it's they'll say it's their feminine intuition, and to a to a degree they're right because it's like that sensitivity to is this guy really 
full of shit or is he like is he for real is he legit and that's why what you just went through right there was like that when she was how no man has ever said that to me before like yeah no man has ever said that to you before. i literally yeah, I mean, just, there's she's so right many here. ways to go with that she's and right here that, i just she gives me this face i look at her and i'm like and you know <laughs> yeah exactly well so you i like what you said about like you know stick to your guns most guys will crack like they'll break character no, I'm just fucking kidding. I'm fucking with you. I'm joking. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then when you do that, guess what you just did? You start talking to her like a woman. Her psyche says, oh, this is a woman. I'm going to deal. Oh, you might be friends. You might like you, but she's going to deal with it. It gets whole dry said, Boyfriends and girlfriends. If you're not fucking her, you're her girlfriend. If she doesn't look like, if you're not, if you're not the guy that could fuck her, you're her girlfriend. <laughs> 100%. And so that, but you did, you did the right thing. I think a lot of guys think that they're, they're too scared to experiment with being bold like that. Oh, this, or this is such a multifaceted thing, Rolo. It, mm -hmm. it, it, I think it also tells a woman subconsciously that you're, the, you, you are able to protect her mm -hmm. and that you're able to go out and hunt and, and, and acquire the things you need to. Because if you can stand up to her and you're not afraid of her rejecting you or saying no to you, mm -hmm. therefore you can go out and defend against right. other people. Because if, you're, if, you will, if, you don't, if, if you can be that way with her, that must say something about your character. So that's number one. Number two is it's also served, by the way, cocky, funny, all peacocking, all that other stuff that like the pick, oh, it's pickup artist stuff. Yeah, but the principle of it is universal. So if you're wearing like a top hat and black nail polish and a big feather boa and shit, you look like mystery circa, you know, 2005. Yeah, yeah. You're going to look like, you better be able to walk, you better stay in character the whole time you're in that fucking costume. You better, because the minute you drop it, people are going to go, oh my God, who the fuck is this, right? <laughs> The, then then suddenly you're a tryhard. But if you stay in character and that's you, you can be Gene Simmons in full fucking kiss battle uniform, go out there. As long as you stay who you are and you're about it and you're congruent with what you're presenting and you're believable, then you're not a tryhard. You're not a, you're not a wannabe at that. You're not LARPing, right? But the, the, the key is that that woman is trying to figure out if you're for real, if you're who you, are you congruent with what you just said? How dare, the kind of guy who would say that to me is like this. Now prove to me you're that guy, right? The guy who's bold enough to risk offending Eggs. me is a certain kind of guy. Let's see if you're full of shit, right? Then that that's how you start conversations by the way. Don't risk to offend. This is like that's this is like PUA 101. You can you can be offensive and negative with a woman or you can be very positive and be funny and exciting with a woman. Doesn't matter. You have to leave her with an emotional impression. The worst thing you can do is be a freaking, you know, a, a milk toast piece of paper. You, you're, you're, you're made of paper mache. If you don't leave her with an emotional impression to remember you by, you're done. So negative, positive makes no difference. Leave her with an emotional association, which is, of course, what you did. But the other thing is this. When guys experiment, like experiment with offending that. And I'm not saying guys go out there and just say, hey, bitch, fuck you. Uh, come and suck my dick. Like, that's <laughs> not what I'm saying. Okay. But the way that you did it, right, was you have resting bitch face or uh, or you should smile more, right? Like maybe that would have been, you know, a good way to, oh, how dare you? Like, she'll, you know, she's going to, it's going to set her off. It it's wouldn't have been saying. as exciting though. I, no, no. I yeah. Cause you, yeah, exciting. exactly. Because the connotation is different with bitch, right? Um, <laughs> but, uh, but so, but you have presented yourself just by saying that one sentence as a guy who would say that one sentence. And so you must have something going on for you, right? It's the concept, uh, God, I hate to get technical on this. 
it's a concept of the peacock's tail, right? The peacock's tail serves no biological evolutionary function. If anything, it's a deficit because it makes him slower and he can't drag it around. He gets killed by predators, but he has the badass tail, the bitchinest ass, you know, plumes of any peacock and the peahens want to fuck it. So, but the reason why is because I've got this huge plumage and I'm still a badass. We're going to have some badass pea chicks. Let's go, right? And so no, even though there's predators that want to kill me, I still got this. And it's like, it's what's called a costly signal. It signifies cost, right? Uh, it's a cost. I'm, I'm, I'm blocking on the actual term for it, but it's a, it's a costly signal. So when you say you've got resting bitch face, that right there is a costly signal because you're risking offending her and not getting laid when maybe your intent is to get laid, right? It's like showing up to a party late, fashionably late. You're so badass and you're so high value, you can show up late. Other people have to show up on time. You're fucking lazy ass because you're so high value. You don't care if you show up on time, early, whatever, you show up late. Those are the guys, a costly signifier. That means I have the value enough to show up late. Guys who like dress down instead of dressing up for like a formal event, they're saying, fuck you. I have enough value that I can dress down while you motherfuckers have to dress up. Or vice versa. If a guy's, if everything's really super casual and they're all in jeans and t-shirt and shit, and you show up like Justin Waller, with the fucking full, you know, three-piece suit and everything, you're like, that shows, it's like the, uh, it's a costly signal, meaning like I have so much value, I can pull this shit off. Whether you can or you can't, doesn't make any difference. It's just mm -hmm. the perception is that because I'm doing this, therefore I have high value. So by saying you have resting bitch face, you've now said, I am so fucking high value that I will tell you to your face <laughs> that you have resting bitch face, <laughs> even though I've kind of want to fuck you. But, um, but I don't care whether you take are offended by that or not, because if you get offended and I blow this, you completely blow me out. I've got four other chicks on speed dial. I got other chicks that want to fuck me anyways, but you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to test the waters. I'm going to be, I'm going to experiment with being bold, enter into action with boldness. That's a one from the law of power and any offense can be covered up with, more boldness. <laughs> yep, 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 yep. It's so funny how that it's it's just, but I, it, it's just great because I don't even do these things with the intention of become of being more attractive to that person, but innately I know that it works that way. Because you are the game. You're. Would you say you're a natural? Yeah. I, 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 let me let me tell you. I when I was a young teenager, I would say 15, 16, 17. I was still pretty good at talking to women, but not better maybe than the average guy, mm -hmm. but I sucked. Like I got rejected all the time. I was very skinny. I had no facial hair, but I was, it was, I was a friendly guy. I was popular at school. So I was decent, but over once I would say I hit 20, 21, 22, that's where I really started to, to, to get into it. And I just, wow. Like I, <laughs> I got mm -hmm. very good at it. Mm -hmm. and I, uh, now at this point now at this point yeah now at this point i'm definitely yeah i so so people ask me this and it's kind of relates to what you did is I, I think a lot of guys who lack social skills or they lack an understanding of intersexual dynamics or uh the nature women's nature men's nature and how they kind of come together that when they haven't been socialized or acculturated to understand that or how to be able to interact they kind of get they're not necessarily autistic or, you know, something functionally wrong with them. It's just, they haven't had the learning process to get to the point where like, say you are, or I am, or guys who are naturals. 
And I see this in the looks community all the time. The guys who are looks maxers, like face and LMS, looks money status. The, the, the guys who think that looks are everything, they almost always refer to guys who are like sort of genetic, what I call genetic celebrities, right? They're the guys who are like Brad Pitt, right? They're the guys that are like the giga chat is like the, 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 the peak of, 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 uh, of uh, looks maxing. And there's so much more to getting with a chick than just looks. I'm not saying it's not important. And sometimes I'm not even saying it's not the most important thing. It is. But there's other aspects that are also part of that too. So when guys ask me like, oh, Rolo, I wouldn't want to be Rolo. He has to game his wife all the time. He has to be, I wouldn't want to try to keep that up. Well, can I ever let my hair down? Can I ever relax? Can I ever do? And my answer is like, no, you can't, but it's not as hard as you think because you have to internalize game. You have to, it has to, you have to be the guy I say, I always say this, I'm, I'm the game, right? right. People think I'm being obnoxious and conceited and arrogant. I'm like, no, no I'm not. Being I'm saying, I've internalized it. So it's my second nature. Your second also, nature. Women is know. Women right. know if it's real or not. Bitch. Women sense right away. Yeah. Yeah. So is it an act? Is it not an act? Well, it's only an act up until the point where it's not rote memorization scripted and you don't feel like you have you're putting on a performance. I was, you know, I had to learn this, you know, through years and years and years. And not because I was actively trying to learn it. It's because I was came up in the Hollywood metal scene of the late 80s and 90s, right? I learned how to get laid in those in that environment. I knew how to, I could do it fair with a, a fair uh, degree of regularity. Let's just say that. And so I learned how, what would work for me. Now, when guys say, oh, I just asked you a minute ago, like, are, do you think you're a natural? Well, I think well, there are guys who would, we would call naturals, but they're usually just guys who are genetic celebrities who hit the, the looks lottery and they have been rewarded with female sex and female attention. And uh in in a way that guy other guys have to work to get and so they're still employing game they're still doing the same things you are they're just ahead of you in the game because they had the advantage of looks to push them up ahead of you so it's not not that they're you know there's no such thing as a natural per se the natural still has to learn social skills but he has an easier time of it and i think a lot of guys think that they they want to go MGTOW and oh fuck it i don't care i'm gonna be black pill um because they're not naturals and it's like no that's not the point he learned the same skills that i can like i will teach you in in a um in my fifth book in the player's handbook right the, the advantage is, is that he's been he's, he's got a head start on you he just has he he got his dick sucked when he was 14 years old as a freshman in high school because he's a good looking dude right so he's rewarded what he did worked for him faster earlier quicker than it would for you because you had yeah. a, you know you're at a functional disadvantage can you overcome that absolutely lots of people have but the guy who looks like Giga Chad, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. <laughs> you know, it's interesting, Rolo. What's interesting is I consider myself a good looking guy. I definitely do. But there are men that are aesthetically, I would say, according to most women, better looking than I am. There are plenty of them. But I know for a fact. Justin Nolan, for example. Definitely. He's taller than me. He's probably, most women would probably think he's better looking than I am. And I'm perfectly okay with that. But there are a lot of exceptionally good looking men that have not had to go through nearly as much rejection mm -hmm. or they aren't as well studied in something maybe they haven't been through school or they don't haven't been they haven't had to work very hard or haven't chosen to work as hard and they might be great fucking prospects for short term mm -hmm. but if they're trying to get with a woman who is well spoken well educated they're going to have a hard time hanging out with her 
So I think if they're trying for a longer friends with benefits or even dating, that's where they fall short. So I th that's really what how I look at the red pills being the total package. Just because you were gifted with exceptionally good looks, doesn't mean that you can try to shy away from being an incredible speaker and uh, you know someone who can really hold a conversation. Well, there, there's you, right? you have to be the 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 complete package because you got to remember. Right. And women will say I'm using you know, girl talk here, but they want the complete package. They don't, it's like, it's one thing to have a really, Jason Momoa, I want to fuck Jason Momoa, I want to fuck, you know, Giga Chad, whatever. Yeah, that's the arousal side of hypergamy, but you also have to take into account the beta bucks provisioning long-term security side of hypergamy. Let me so just get got, a tissue, I'll be right back. Okay, you got protection, you got provisioning, and you got uh, a parental investment. So when you have, um, when you have a guy who excels in one of those areas, like if you like money, muscles, and game, right? If you have a guy who excels in one of those areas, it's usually at the cost of other areas. So you got a guy, uh, I don't have a lot of money. I'm kind of dirt poor, but I'm hella good looking. I, I'm Jeremy Meeks, right? I'm, I'm incarcerated in prison, but women still want to fuck me, right? That, that you'll probably gross out. That guy, I remember that guy. You're playing to your strengths, right? Okay, well, I don't have a lot of, I'm, I'm kind of, I don't have those good looks. But I can certainly make a shit ton of money. And really, that's all women care about anyways, is rich guys, right? So what do you do? You're going to focus on nothing but your money at the expense of game and, and looks. So now it's all about lead with your wallet and make a shit ton of money because everything's women are basically prostitutes and that's, and that's that. Then you got the guys who are just like, it's all about game. It's only game. All you got to do is be funny, charming, humorous, blah, blah, blah. Leave them with an emotional connection. The guys in RSD, guys in Venusian Arts, the early pickup artists believed that all it was was about was game. And I understand how frustrating that is for black pill doomers because they think it's like pie in the sky bullshit salesman, you know, snake oil salesmanship. And in some cases, they might be right about that. But what they're wrong about is that it's not just about game. It's also about money. And it's also about your looks. Those are the, that's the trifecta right there. And so when, when guys are strong in one of those areas, they tend to gross out in that area at, at the expense of others. So you can have a guy who looks like Justin Waller, but if he's dirt poor or he, he's kind of socially awkward, he will never do as well as the real literal Justin Waller, right? The guy who's got a lot of money, he's got a shit together. He's good with girls, whatever. He got to that point as, you know, because of having genetic advantages, of course, but he's where he is right now because he decided that at some point he wanted to amplify himself up to the point where he was like an elite player in the game, which he is. Um, now, I'll give you a quick story. And he won't mind me telling this because I've told it a million times. I was at, um, where was we? Oh, we were at the collective. We were at the, uh, either, no, it was Rebel Capitalist, uh, George Gammon's event is a convention in, in Dallas, or no, it's Houston. And we're there and we're in a Mexican restaurant. It's myself, it's Tom and, and, and Justin. We're there just, you know, having, having, I don't know, tacos or some shit. And Justin's being Justin, it's nighttime and everything. And this girl walks by, puts the folded piece of paper down in front of, of Justin and keeps walking on. And she was a fucking knockout too. And I'm like, what the fuck is that? I thought, I thought she was a waitress at first. She's not a waitress. She was like one of these chicks that's sort of roaming around the, the events and everything. And it says, I don't know, Cassie or whatever fuck her name was. And a phone number on there. I'm like, did I just fucking see that? <laughs> I, know, I was like, I wish I had Instagram going at that time. I wish I had that on video, right? I took a, I have the picture to this day. I, bl I blocked out the, uh, out of focus, the, the number, but he was showing it. I still have it today. It's funny. I put it up on Instagram. It's the funniest fucking story in the world. I put it up. And so what do you think people say? 
oh, it's because he's like not he's because he's six foot three and he's good looking. To, he's a ginger, right? He's six foot three. He's good looking. That's why he could do that. Blah blah. And like, you could do that too, but you you probably couldn't get her to give you that number. But if you had the skills to do that, if you had at least somewhat good looks, if you it will take you longer to gain that same girl. You could still go do that, but not as easily. As Justin Waller, who all he has to do is show up, eat tacos, Dude. and the girl will give him the phone number, Rolo, right? Or Rolo, give, give him the contacts. I I'm sure that Ro, that that Justin gets these things that these things happen to him more than they happen. Well, I can tell you other stories that I'm not allowed to. But yeah. <laughs> when I was in when I was in Vegas my first time, and I'm, I, you know what? I'm going to tell you the story off off of the podcast after. All right, tells you after. It's a great story, but I'm yeah, I'm going to tell you afterwards. Um. <laughs> I think we actually covered a hell of a lot of ground. We've been talking for over two hours. Yeah, I know. I have to go buy a bitch and Camaro. In fact, I'm looking at a convertible right now. So let me, yeah, let let me wrap this up and then I want to tell you the story. Okay. Okay. Rolo, thank you for for coming onto the show. Really had an amazing talk with you. It was really awesome. I hope you enjoy, enjoyed as well. Anytime. I, I would like to do this live at some point. I think it'd be better. I, I mean, I don't mind going on show at this point. Like I think people are, People are thinking like, oh, well, Roller won't go debate Pearl. He won't go debate Destiny. He won't go debate. Like, first of all, it's not debate, first of all, but I will have a conversation with those people. And I would much rather do it on your show. I would much rather do it in sort of neutral territory um, because uh, I'm, I'm at the point right now. I'm at, like if For 2023, I'm at the stage right now. It's like if anybody wants to do a conversation or a debate or whatever the fuck it is, I'll do it. But I would rather do it on a show, a show like yours. I'd rather do it where there's like sort of like a moderator between the two of us. So nobody's shouting each other or filibustering or any of that other crap. But I'm at the point right now, especially after the Dr. Phil show that if I don't know my shit, if I don't come correct, I got no business being on that show to begin with. So if I can, if I can school Dr. Phil, I can sure shit school a lot of other people too. So, and not because that's the point, but just like, I want to be able to go out and do these things, but it has to be on, on shows like yours. Sounds good. Well, it, it would be an honor to, to be that guy. Sure. I'm trying to do the same thing with the uh, Israeli-Palestinian conflicts mm-hmm. because I, I it's it's very it's very discussed now. There's been a lot going on there. I don't know if you've seen it in the news. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm assuming you haven't, but mm-hmm. there was an, there was a military raid on a Palestinian refugee camp, killed ten people. So then in, the uh, Palestinian gunman killed seven Israelis by a synagogue. It's, so now things are blowing up. It's becoming a whole thing. So. It's, it's always there's a, lat, there's a latin term for that it's called lex talia or taliation lex, lex talian yeah whatever it's it's tooth for tooth eye for an eye eye for an eye yeah yeah so it's it's constant it's i mean it's been this way since 48 even before uh but i want to get on podcasts like lex friedman and joe rogan because i know that they talk about it and i lex would, would be lex a, would have you on for sure um i, I don't know how to reach out to him out of the tribe him. Yeah, I've DM'd him. I'm, I I know that if I can meet the guy, or if he finally answers my DM, I think he'll definitely give me a shot. Is he talking about it? Like, is he like he, talking? He about just had a he just had a Palestinian American. He he's some figure, some public figure. He's based in Louisiana, hmm. and they had a very cordial, nice conversation. Alex was very respectful. He even went to a mosque with this guy to pray with him, just to show show solidarity of sorts. Um, and I would love to talk to this guy. I like Alex so. Friedman a lot, uh, especially I, I had a new respect for him after the uh, interview of Destiny. 
And he was like ready to fucking, he was ready. I've never wanted to kill a man as much as I do right now. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, did he just say that? I saw that yeah. one. I saw it. It was so <laughs> I was good. Like, Holy shit. Like, this guy's, <laughs> this guy's, what is he from Yonkers? Where is this guy? <laughs> I was, was like, holy good, shit. It was such a good episode. I, I really like, it's funny. Lex is so monotone though. That's my only quarrel is like, I wish he was I would love more, to go on Lex. I was, was I, I would with with prejudice. I would love to go on with Lex before I would go on, like say with Joe Rogan or anybody else. I think he would probably be. He's my. I think he would be more of my wavelength. Also, Stephen Crowder, dude. I got a new respect for Stephen Crowder now. Bless you, my goodness. You need some Benadryl, dude. No, I'll tell you. I, I, if any, yeah, I, I might go get some Benadryl. It's crazy. I'm telling you, man, it's these European Jewish genes. We allergies and Tay-Sachs and these yeah. shit things. What am I doing like, in Miami? Ah, <laughs> uh, the allergies. No, I'm part oh Italian. I'm half Italian. Yeah. I'm half Italian for my dad. So. Well, next time I'm out there, I'll take you fishing. We'll go out deep sea fishing. I would love that, man. That'd I do. Awesome. I do two trips a year, so that would be fantastic. Um, okay, so so let's wrap this up, Rolo. I really love talking to you. It's been okay. a pleasure. Guys, make sure to subscribe, like, and share. Follow Rolo Tomasi on YouTube, on Instagram. I'm going to, at the Rational Mail, I'm going to drop your links in the description. Definitely check out his five books. You will be very, very glad you did, especially if you're a guy, but I even implore women to read the books as well. So again, thank you so much. Anytime. Make sure to stay on when I when I sure. stop oh, recording, just stay on for, for a minute. Yeah. All right, guys. That, that is all. Okay. Uh,